Feel yourself coming into this moment. And as we're here for learning about Strong Spirits Mindfulness and Movement Program, you're also here for this amazing awakening of something as yogis we like to call Satchitananda, which is love, knowingness, and bliss. We all shared as we did our check-in about what brought us here to teach mindfulness and movement practices or chair yoga to abled bodies and disabled bodies. As you feel yourself in this amazing space and you feel yourself tapping into ease, Really remember that whether you're teaching in a senior care center, a community center, a yoga studio, a school, a home, an office, a sports team, you're working with people's energy economies and you're teaching people how to be more efficient superhuman machines. So truly, I believe, as we teach these incredible mindfulness movement and breathwork practices, we're teaching people how to slow down and exhale, to release worry, trauma, stress, and anxiety. And as you open up to this space of possibilities, you offer people tools to see how incredible the world is and how incredible they are. We came to learn how to teach self-care as a kindness practice, but also we came here to practice Svadhyaya, self-study. A huge part of healing as a yoga teacher is to offer healing to ourselves before we can offer that gift to our students. So begin to let your busy day and moment before class go. And open yourself up today and bring your full attention to the joy of being. No judgment, no expectation. You are actually giving yourself this day of svadhyaya, of self-study. To yourself so that you can become a more efficient superhuman machine. Feel yourself slowing down and exhaling.
Sense the space between your heartbeats. As you listen and observe the breath, feel the pulse in your toes. As you inhale and exhale a little bit richer, a little bit deeper, a little bit more cathartic, send gratitude to your knees as you move forward on this journey of life. Feel the breath fluid like water. Flowing through the pelvic bowl. Uncoiling any knots. Thoughts, congestion. So that you can ride the waves of life with ease. And bring your full attention to the experience of the breath. Breathing belly, lungs, and ribs. Ribs, lungs, and bellies. And belly, lungs, and ribs. And ribs, lungs, and belly. As you notice the breath, balancing out your superhuman machine, and you feel the spaces between the heartbeats, notice this awakened state of Sat-Chit-Ananda, love, knowingness and bliss. <clears throat> Feel the rhythm of your heart. Brilliant. As you start to dive deeper and deeper into this moment. Feel the fullness and the joy in your body. as you truly start to connect. Showing up fully to yourself and for yourself. Feel your back supported by the chair or your stance, whatever position that you're in, 
You are in this optimal space for being. <clears throat> Open to possibilities. Curiosity and gentleness. Inhaling and exhaling. Compassion to yourself as you truly find the joy of being. Observe and listen to that rhythm of your heart, that awakened state of Sat Chit Ananda. As your arms relax, your elbows soften. and your fingertips feel light. So all of your limbs, the space between your ears, and from your brains to your bones, you are truly present for this amazing day of Svadhyaya. every inhale and every exhale, you have brought your full attention to experience. You have brought your full attention to the joy of being. If a thought starts to kind of creep in, if a doubt, just come back to the resiliency of the breath. Truly keep this creative space to be open to possibilities. Every inhale and every exhale, awake to this moment. You are here as a self-care and a kindness practice. You are here to really allow Svadhyaya to awaken you to your true nature, aligned, calm, Just resting in that Sat Chit Ananda. 
the love, the knowingness, and the bliss of being. Listen to the mindfulness in your heart as every breath contributes to your wholeness. And without opening your eyes, just gently take your hand to a pulse point. And we'll check the calmness and the ease that we've created in the body. When I hit the chime, it'll be the indication that a minute will begin. And when I hit the chime again, that'll be our time to stop taking our pulse. And just count the numbers of the rhythm of your pulse. Slowly guide your hands in front of your heart. As your hands come in front of your heart, begin to just rub your palms together, creating a lot of friction back and forth and back and forth. Take the warmth of your hands over your closed eyes. And slowly, as you start to release your hands from your eyes, 
You open them with a whole new perspective and a strong spirit for the day. It's interesting um, when you talk about the three-part breath is because two-thirds of your lungs are your back body. So if you do reach out and wide, it starts to think of your body as the whole of the whole versus a lot of times people get really wound up or whether they're in an office or whether they're in a school system, whether they're in a nursing home facility and they only breathe a really small capacity of their body. So this breathing exercise of invoking the breath with a three-part breath technique um, really helps just saying belly, lungs, ribs, ribs, lungs, belly, or placing your hands to these positions really, really help. Another thing that it says here on a point in the book is that you can, um, one of the bullet points states that you can count. Numbers and counting are really good also. Start with slow numbers, like four inhales, four exhales. But let's try it as we go through this book. Um, a three-part breath technique. So we've got one hand to our tummy, one hand to our heart. Another thing that's great, just like what you were saying, so that you could get the diaphragm to move when you reach your arms up, like Sarah was saying. Um, but also, um, when you have your hands here, all of a sudden, it's like then physically, like what you did, Amber, when you had us do the Hoberman Spear Breath, you can literally feel and experience that movement when we're just breathing and we're not really consciously thinking about it. The difference is, is that it's more shallow. By touching yourselves, and especially a lot of the places that I go to where we are teaching yoga, um, chair yoga practices, they don't get touched a lot so to have them physically touch that's a huge thing too so uh one hand to the belly one hand to the heart does the, the hand matter no i mean y yes if you want it to like because energetically we could talk about what the right side is and what the left side is so if you would like it to to have that as a teacher then you can incorporate that in So finding a fixed point, a lot of times what I like to do with this Hoberman spear is use it in the center of our circle. And um, inhaling belly, lungs, and ribs. Exhaling ribs, lungs, and belly. Inhaling belly, lungs, ribs. Exhaling ribs, lungs, and bellies. So after you start off your class with a little bit of a visualization, you move right into a breathwork practice. Now you could choose that this becomes your kind of transition breath, where you have a three-part breath as a transition breath. Um, in uh, Offices, you can teach people inhale the good shit and exhale the bullshit, right? <laughs> in, uh, with kids, you could say inhale through the nose, breathing in and smelling the flowers, and then exhale, breathe out, and blow 
the um, dark clouds away. You know, you could cue whatever you would like to. You could cue breathing in through the nostrils and out through the nostrils because that's a very yogic thing to do as we start to move into the parasympathetic nervous system. But for most humans, it's actually better um, um, when they're doing a more, um, you know, a simplistic, easy practice, inhale through the nose, exhale through the mouth because it releases more of the challenges here. Uh, another transitional calming breath that I like to use on page 30 is when you are doing the balloon breaths. As you do the balloon breaths, you could um, do it like we had talked about, um, where your arms open wide and high, or the arms reach up through the center of the body like a volcano, and you're exhaling anything that is no longer serving you. I love those words that someone used. Um, page 32, we start moving into eyes, neck, shoulder, and arm stretching. So when we do this, we're um, going through um, our visualization this morning. We did that where we rub the palms together and put our hands over our eyes. We are spending so much time right now looking at computers and screens and are even there in our cars. There's even billboards that now are digital, right? So like we are constantly bombarded by screens, whether it's on your arm or whether it's in your hand or whether it's your way, you know, people's ways to work where they look at a computer screen. So this is really a great way to allow you to um, have your eyes relax. Um, sometimes I will ask people um, what color they see after you know, because then you can discuss color relates to the chakras. If you're into that kind of energy and those principles, then you could actually teach them a little bit about the chakras. Yeah. You said you had a handout on that, or you wrote you have a handout on that, page 31. On? On the chakras and color. Is that something you have today? Oh, it's in, it might be in the back of the book. Oh, okay. But yes, I do have a lot of stuff like that, and you can always email me. Um, but um, uh, what's kind of interesting is, is that you'll notice that people's colors that are their favorite colors or the colors that they see actually relate to issues that they might be dealing with at that time. And that's, um, as a teacher, we're juggling a lot of different things because we're meeting everybody where they're at. And if you have a group of 20, you're meeting 20 people at where they're at. All of us in this room come from a place of a different experience, which means that every student in your room has a different experience they're bringing to the table. So you really have to kind of pick and choose as a teacher all these amazing things to communicate um, to each individual. So someone might really like, oh, this color means this, and someone might think, oh, like that's a bunch of hoo-ha, <laughs> and I don't believe it at all. But Another thing about palming the eyes that works really well is, does anybody know Trataka? It's a, um, a, a visual thing that people often do to train their eyes. So if a finger is out in front of you, and um, then you can um, take and watch the finger as it comes towards you. And there's other different exercises that they do. But this palming of the eyes is almost like an eye strengthening exercise. So I like to incorporate that into a class. 
Um, eyes around the clock is a great way also to stretch the eyes out. And so when we're talking about yoga, yogin or uh, yujin is that kind of creating balance from imbalance. Or um, it is a, a, a skillful action is one of the definitions of yoga. To me, yoga is the art and the science of the body-mind connection. So what might not seem, you know, like palming the eyes or eyes around the clock, but that is yoga because you're still balancing the body through simple, subtle movements. So with eyes around the clock, um, I like to, and remember, one client might not be able to wiggle their toes because they're paraplegic. Another client might have a shoulder injury because of a rotator cuff, right, um, from too much sports, and then they can't lift their arms up. Another client might just have a frozen shoulder because at this point, as they're in the nursing home, they can't move their arms um, as much as they used to um, when they were younger. So when you say, put your arms in a circle like a clock, little kids can do it, right? But if you do that with someone else, you might have to say, touch your shoulders. Bring your hands out in front of you. Visualize a circle, right? So as we're meeting everybody where they're at, so we all, if you can, bring your arms up nice and high. Automatically starts to allow us to breathe into the back body. And then we can use um, the breath to create some movements. With your next inhale, look up to the 12 o'clock. All right. So um, who looked up with their jaw? Right? That's hard, right? Because if you say, and we can relax our arms for a second, this is a really fascinating thing, and I don't know, maybe I'm more hyper aware of it because I've had whiplash before, but when you tell someone to look skyward, the first thing they do is they lift their chin up and they compress their neck and then they kind of are creating almost a creating degeneration in their discs, right? But if you say look up and you focus on just looking up with your eyeballs, you feel a totally different thing. So now you're stretching out the ligaments in the eye. So your chin and forehead stay on the same plane, looking up to 12, and then back to center. And then look to three o'clock. Inhaling and exhaling. And look back to the center. Now look to six o'clock. Finding a deep breath. And look to the center and look to nine o'clock. And with your next exhale, bring your eyes back to the center. And slowly lower your arms down, almost like little drops of rain. Feel the fresh oxygenated blood run to the fingertips. Do you cue breath when you do that? Mm-hmm. Because then it gives them something to kind of focus on other than, wow, this is really weird. <laughs> you could do this eyes closed yeah. too, right? Huh? You could do this eyes closed. Surely, yes. Mm -hmm. 
have a question about language that you might use. So you said, if you can, lift your arms up overhead. Um, sometimes I feel like it's not, like I don't want to make people feel like you, you can't do this. Or mm -hmm. I, I mean, what are the kinds of language that you use to make sure that you're not saying, if you can't, I don't know, if you can't do this or, I mean, you don't want to make people feel like they can't do things. Mm -hmm. Another option. Right. Like, I, ju I just, I struggle sometimes with that. Or you can choose. You can choose. If it's more another option. If it's more comfortable. If it's okay. available or accessible right now. Okay, if it's available. Right. One, one thing I like to do. Something you oh, could try. Thing. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, saying yeah. that. Because I find myself saying, like, if you can do this. And that's okay for most of them they can do that but some of them can't and then mm. it takes a minute then i have to go like you say go back to maybe hands on shoulders or whatever i'm just trying to walk myself back and figure out the right language to use in, in those situations mm -hmm. that's a great question i i, I resort to simplicity mm -hmm. and also the fact that we're not going to be able to please everybody so we have to choose a path. Mm -hmm. And um, I, like when you checked in, right, with your trauma experience that you just went through with the <clears throat> training and everything like that, when you teach tra trauma stuff, there's a whole languaging uh, philosophy that goes with it. Mm -hmm. But that's a lot of what you're asking right now because it's like, uh, it wasn't like reach your arms up high. It was like if you feel like it now, mm -hmm. reach your arms up high, right? We can talk about that further. Yeah. Want, I got a whole list of them. Yeah. I mean, I think, and I like, like, you know, let's try, or if you choose to, or, I mean, mm, yeah. Language is really tricky. Um, so I would say to keep it simple. And to, um, you know, actions speak louder than words. So you can even try it. Just start here with your hands to your shoulders. Yeah. And then reach your hands out. And then bring your hands up, you know. But some of my ladies can't hear anyway. They just follow whatever I do. Yeah. No, that's a great, that's a great question. I think it's like trial and error with your group too. Cause like I teach in a memory care unit. And so like I have this one woman and she's like super sharp, like her comments back. It's like, I have to be very mindful of what I say. Cause she's like, I was breathing. We are breathing. Or like, you know, <laughs> um, or, or if we shook our shoulders, she'd be like, like you don't care. You know, <laughs> just like she has really sharp comments. And it's, it's super funny. Like sometimes you just can't help but laugh, which is great. Cause then everybody laughs. But then I'm like, Okay, how can I word this differently? You know, or if I'll say, you know, we're gonna come to the breath, she'd be like, we were breathing. <laughs> okay, so let's focus our attention on our breath, you know? <laughs> so it's just trial and error. And like, don't take judgment with it, because especially with that population, it's not like she's purposely like being rude to me. She just no. has no filter anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and that's cool. I, I get right. I, I get I learn a lot from too. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're going to, and then once in a while, like, oh, geez. Or <laughs> like you're doing this, and then some guy says, all hail Hitler. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, all right, we're going to roll with it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you know. Uh, 
or I mean, just don't, don't even go all the way because the folks who want to will, right? I have a friend every, every time after um, I teach, I'll text something funny that has been said or how many um, nine-year-olds have picked me up. And uh, she's always like, you should write a book about all the funny things that people say. It would be a good coffee table book. We could collect all of our ideas today. Yep. Yeah. Um, thank you, everyone. That was a great uh, dialogue. And this is what's so awesome is because what's going to happen is I'm going to invite you to a Facebook group. I don't know if people like social media, but Facebook group or emails that we can keep up this conversation because this is, a, you know, this style of yoga or this style of mindful movement practices is just at its infancy. And there's so much that we can contribute to it. So if we keep carrying a conversation and saying like, oh, this works and how to keep adding to it, it's only gonna get greater uh, 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 plethora of um, opportunities to uh, learn new ways to um, enhance the practice. Um, I grew up in the era of Madonna, so page three is called Madonna Vogue Next Stretching. But this is a great release. Um, take and bring your right hand to your left ear. And with your next exhale, bring your uh, right ear to your right shoulder. Take your left hand and just allow it to hang down. And bring the arm out only to the spot where you feel the most stretch. Inhaling and exhaling, then you just hold the hand here. Notice how it feels when you turn the palm up or you face the palm down. Spreading the fingers wide or closing the fingers. With your next exhale, release the left hand back down. Take your right hand to your right ear and press the head back up. Right arm comes down. Let's do the same thing on the other side. Left ear, left shoulder, left hand reaches up and over, capturing the right ear. Right hand reaches down to the ground. Start to move the arm up as if you're moving it through a vat of honey. So slow and steady till you find the resistance and then maybe the palm will face up. Excuse me, maybe the palm will face down. And with your next exhale, release the hand down. And take the left hand to the left ear and assist the head up so that you don't create a muscle spasm when you just lift the head up by itself. Arm relaxes down by your sides. So say I was gonna do that same thing in an office facility and this was the side of a table or a chair, I could just be standing here and do that same thing. Press down and create the space. So you're creating this nice little traction. Um, when we move further in here, there is also a side body stretch, which has the same effect. If you place your left hand down and reach your right arm up and over and start to stretch, we have a little bit of that same concept. You take your right hand to the back of your head and look up to the sky as you push hand into head and head into hand. 
So see how we've taken it from maybe different body styles, different body types, to get a stretch through the neck. And then look back down towards ground, right arm reaches down. Does that make sense? That you can keep evolving or advancing and that the pictures and the movements in these books can be enhanced and shuffled around. Um, neck rotations and chin ups and chin downs. Uh, what I like to tell people when they do neck rotations is that remember you are not um, um, doing like flash dancey kind of things or whipping your hair because I have seen people do that. Like, you know, you can check out people on YouTube and get some different ideas, right? Um, it, not only is it like it exacerbates like anybody's neck who's had issues, but it's just really not so awesome for you. So I like to say, bring your chin to your chest and your chest to your chin. Start to rotate your chin. Let's start with the left side. Draw your chin towards the left collarbone and shoulder. Inhaling through the nose. And exhale through the mouth. Feel your chin settle down a little bit further. Draw your chin forward through center. And allow the chin to graze towards the right shoulder. Inhaling through the nose. And exhaling through the nose or mouth, whatever feels best. Bring your chin back forward to the center. And with your next inhale, bring your head to a neutral position. If you have able-bodied people, then we start doing like chin ups and chin downs. And we do what it says on the bottom of page 34, where you interlace your hands behind your head, elbows are open. Now, just by doing this, like, you know, when people do sit-ups and their elbows come forward, it's going to have a different effect if you do sit-ups with your elbows open, pressing head into hand, hand into head, allows you to create more strength in the rhomboids that support the shoulders, the um, anterior serratus, the traps, the delts, all that stuff. So our back is nice and long, pressing head into hands, hands into head, that effortless effort of yoga. And now on your next exhale, bring your elbows forward. Aim your chin to your collarbones and like you're mushing a little clementine in between the chin and the chest, draw your elbows forward without rounding your back. So you're really just stretching from your shoulders to the top of the head. And then roll yourself slowly back up like a snake uncoiling. Elbows open. And with your exhale, arms come down by your sides. Uh, shoulder shrugs, I like to, it's 
funny. We'll probably do the same thing, Sarah. Um, I like to make little jokes, like when on page 35, like when someone is talking to you and you say, I don't know, so your shoulders come up. I have a corny sense of humor. And then on your exhale, just let the shoulders come down. I used to say things like dead drop your shoulders, but that wasn't so good to say. <laughs> so I stopped saying stuff like that. But you're shrugging your shoulders up and then exhale them down. And then using descriptors like releasing tension, you know, like inhale up and then exhale like a sigh of relief. Um, I like making noises and we'll talk about during the breath stuff. I like to do like animal noises. So then it would be, uh, have you ever heard a howler monkey? Anybody ever been, been to Costa Rica? So howler monkeys are so freaking loud and they wake up at like four in the morning and they like go, what just happened so sometimes I'll show like a video of you know from YouTube about like a noisy animal and then we'll like do that so it really helps because if you think of a lot of uh, you know any sensory practice to get rid of it so sound is part of our senses let's inhale breathe and shrug your shoulders up feel like you're really upset make your mouth mush up and then exhale like a howler monkey <laughs> I know, it's really weird, Michelle, but it works. I dare you to do that in your office. Yeah, I do. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's, they shut my door sometimes. <laughs> it's good, yeah. But it does, it, it's like, it's, it's, if you add in that playful nature, you know, breathe, stretch, play is like my life mission's motto. All that stuff combined. If we can take ourselves back to that childlike wonderment and just really let it go, it's amazing how many layers you peel away from the things that your cells hold on to that really isn't yours. So shoulder shrugs and um, then moving into elbow swimming. Um, I like to take and bring the thumbs underneath the armpits. And in this, I like to tell, especially with kiddos, that we have breathing buttons. Like, um, oh, you relax your arms and look at everybody's shoulders. What do you notice about people's shoulders? Oh, somebody's up like this. Right? Some are high, some are low, some are forward, like they're protecting, right? And some are like, because I said, look at your shoulders, everybody's like this, <laughs> right? But most people don't really stand in a space of broadness and lightness. They stand in a space of protecting, and especially because we're more of a culture of the head, um, our heart is protected. So our collarbones usually and our muscles that support them get super duper tight, right? So how can we open them up? Um, anybody ever wear suspenders? Like Mork from Ork? In the 80s. <laughs> in the 80s, right? Well, it's all coming back. Didn't you save your clothes, Jess? <laughs> <laughs> right? So um, take your thumbs underneath your armpits. This, was, this is called a banker's pose, right? But do you feel the difference in your shoulders? 
We do this a lot in Ashtanga practice or when we're teaching people about alignment, optimal alignment. Does anybody, other than checking to see if you shaved this morning, um, <laughs> do you feel any different in your shoulders? Yeah. There, it, it just, it really opens up the collarbones. It's so simple and really, really weird. How, how, and this is the same way we want, even in our down dog, most people push in life. But reach your hands out, flex your palms, dorsiflex them so the nail beds come towards you. Now shrug your shoulders up, back, and down. Ah, your shoulders are these beautiful triangles that are supposed to lay in your back pockets, right? <laughs> Most people are not like that. How can you create that space simply by putting your thumbs underneath your armpits like your hands are in your suspenders and banker's pose? And then when I talk to kids, I tell them like these little points here on your collarbones are breathing buttons, right? How can you have your breathing buttons bright? Yeah, like you just, so that for shoulder, elbows, circles, and swimming your arms, there's all kinds of different fun things that we can do. Um, and I like to start off in this manner having people really feel how to broaden their chest cavity just by reframing their shoulders. And then maybe making circles. In the back of this, there's something called the five Tibetans. Has anybody ever done the five Tibetans? Yeah, yeah the five Tibetans are great. If it's a more able-bodied group, I will have them start moving into swimming their arms like the five Tibetans. Moving the arms in gentle little circles, um, one direction and then the other. Another thing I like to do is disco dance, so the swimmer, right? <laughs> so you can do all kinds of like fun swimming movements or dancing movements, do the hustle. <laughs> yeah. But you're just starting to get the arms to move, right? You could have a whole John Travolta day. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, like kickball chain, we're going to talk about this, the brain integration and the um, brain gym stuff. Has anybody practiced brain gym? Yeah. So this is also well, is in the gunk of your manual. I threw the kitchen sink at you so you could really research this for a while. Um, but brain gym has great videos. Um, it's all about sensory integration, which is what we're doing, right? Any body, mind, uh, movement practice, whether it's Tai Chi, Qigong, uh, yoga, um, a lot of these disciplines are just helping to get your brain to function, function properly. And it's getting the integration of the right and left hemispheres. So um, whether you're doing elbow swimming in circles or whether you are um, doing uh, uh, disco dancing um, or you move into uh, like it says on page 36, breaststroke, back, backstroke, um, you know, side stroke. There's all kinds of different things you can add in there. When you go to page 36, you can do um, total arm circles. One arm, maybe at a time, like you're that Michael Phelps and you're practicing for your swim meet. But if it's not going to be the full arm that can move, maybe it's just moving the elbow. Right? So you're just finding what works for your student. Um, 
Another thing that I like to do um, is, especially with kids on the spectrum, because I go into a whole district and we're K to 12, just with that AED, EBD, all those names. Um, so, does uh, um, anybody do any Tai Chi or Qigong? A little bit. I highly recommend taking some cool classes like that. In Minneapolis, there's some good programs. I'm sure there are here. Um, but let's just take our right hand and like you are um, uh, in a Mark Twain book and paint the fence. And inhale, reach up. Exhale, come down. Inhale. Exhale. So you're creating this really simple inner metronome, yes? So now go side to side. Wash on, wash off. You could talk about um, what paintbrush or what color paint you're painting it. Are you painting a house? Are you painting something, you know? Um, other thing is um, left side, like Karate Kid, right? You could go into a whole Karate Kid theme. Paint on. That works really well. All of this stuff seems really, really simplistic, but it's completely effective. If you're super duper into energy and woo woo stuff, there is a whole bunch of cool shit happening right now <laughs> that you can't really talk about unless you're with a group of people who's really into it. But the cool thing is, is that the kids who are on the spectrum, they can see colors, they can feel things, they, you can kind of talk about the magic because it doesn't freak them out. That's what I like, that's what makes the hair on my arm stand up. Um, so what I would like to do also, oh, we're gonna do an apple picking thing. So on here on 36, it says Kundalini washer and dryer. We'll do that in a second, but let's do apple picking. How many people like honey crisps? Yeah? Red delicious? Oh, you said they're delicious, yes. Yeah. Uh, red delicious, what's another kind of apple? Fuji, Macintosh, Gala. Okay, well, we're going apple picking. So we are going to add in actually a down dog leg and a, um, and a reach for our arms. So let's start and take the left leg forward, flex the toes to the sky so your heel is to the ground. Remember, most of our clients have their shoes on, right? Our spine is long. And then we're going to take our right hand and we are going to pat out the right leg. Awesome, relax the hand. Usually what I do with a lot of my clients is, I like the dollar store, this is a dollar. It's a hula hoop. We take our hula hoops and we place them on top of the um, left ankle and our other hand is on top. If that is not the case, then you want to just make sure that they're super duper stable and they might need to leave their left hand on their left thigh. Inhale, reach your right arm high to the sky. Reach back and grab an apple from the tree, just like you need sometimes to get a bowl from the cupboard. And on your next exhale, throw it in the basket. 
Good, inhale, pull it back. Oh, reach back a little bit further, I think I got it. Oh, and exhale, throw it in the basket. Good, inhale, reach, 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 reach. And exhale, throw it in the basket. But this time, oh, your hand got stuck on the basket and you're just gonna stay there breathing deeply. Neck is nice and long. Inhaling and exhaling. Oh, and you got that bad apple out of the basket and you brought yourself back up. It was so not that bad, so you took a bite. <laughs> Threw it back. All right, and then you stomp out your feet. So simple, simple, simple. I know people who've done this and we can try the other side so that the uh, right toes are high and the left thigh just pat it a little bit. And let your hand relax. Some people talk about like um, reaching a book from the side table, right? And um, uh, putting it, um, uh, dropping it on the floor and having to pick it up. Or they dropped a pill from their container and they had to pick it up. I mean, there's all kinds of different stories or things that you could do, but you're really just creating that extension and release. Is there a purpose to the padding out the thigh or just? Well, I like to do that because a lot of times those muscles aren't activated, but it just kind of wakes up. Uh, and sometimes I'll say like you're wiping off the crumbs, mm -hmm. but yeah. So that this leg would provide stability. Sensory integration, wake up the muscles, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's like so often people just go through the motions, but I think a little bit of touch kind of, yeah, re-engages. Um, let's all stand up and we are going to do the washer and the dryer. Now you can do this seated, but say you are working with an able-bodied group and you're using the chair as a prop, you can sit up halvesies, right? So you're almost out of the chair or uh, seated totally in the chair, or you can have them stand up. And as they're standing up, feet a little bit wider than frontal hip bone distance apart. And this is a great thing to do, say that you're going to a school or an office facility um, and people are in that kind of like three o'clock time of the day where they need a cup of coffee, right? But we're yogis, so we don't drink coffee, so we drink green tea or black tea, right? Um, so it's that pick me up kind of a thing and it uses a breathwork practice called breath of fire, right? How many people have not done breath of fire? Everybody's good? So breath of fire is um, <coughs> Kapalabhati, skull shining breath. So um, it's a more a mouth thing. And you inhale, comes automatic, and the exhale is forceful. So inhale and breathe in, just calmly. And then exhale and push out air. <sighs> good, inhale and breathe in. And exhale, push out air. And when you're pushing out that air, it's forceful and your belly presses the spine. And what happens is it starts going fast. You relax your mouth like you're kissing your favorite person. Like little kissy lips. But then you have to be like the Olsen twins, and this is from my generation. We always heard that they would say prunes when they posed for pictures so that they wouldn't get the lines in their lips. Like a smoker when they, right? So relax your lips like you're kissing your favorite person and then inhale through the nose 
exhale through the mouth. Good, forcefully. Now just inhale becomes automatic and the exhale sounds like this. And it's really rhythmic and every exhale belly button is active pushing back. All right, and then you'll relax. That made sense? Awesome, breath of fire. Um, let's bring our hands to our hips. So whether it's your arms that are gonna be straight and they're going like this, I like to start off with the hands to the hips because it gives that kind of alignment that we were just talking about that the um, uh, banker's pose does. Yeah, hands to the hips. Inhale through the nose. And let's begin. You can go as fast or as slow as you want, but you're washing your body just like you wash the clothes in the washing machine. If you want to keep your arms, elbows bent, hands to the hips, go for it. If you want to add more freedom to the arms, let them relax by your sides as they sway with the rhythm of the breath. Bing! Oh, the wash is done. Okay, so we don't want anybody to be dizzy or pass out, but you feel that bubbly, tingly sensation. And then what we're going to do is we're going to take all the stuff out of the washing machine and put it in the top loader, put it in the dryer. Good, slam the door shut, okay? Make your hands into fists, but they'll be compassionate fists, so the mudra for surrender, thumbs inside, fingers around. Bend your elbows, and then make that drying cycle. Good, so you're working with an able-bodied group. Slowly and gently start to hover over your seat. Mm. Keep your booty strong. Good. Uh-oh, it got a little tipsy. Lift one leg up. Lower that foot. Oh, other leg. Lower that foot. Keep deeply breathing. Reach your arms up if you can, almost like you're doing a punching bag. Go in reverse if you want to. And then slowly, gently folding forward, head hangs down, arms draped down to the floor. Feel the fresh oxygenated blood moving through your systems. Feel the rhythm of your heart. Maybe sway your hips a little bit. Your knees are nice and bent and slowly start to walk your hands up your legs. Hover your behind over the chair. Reach your arms up high. So the logo for Elvis was TCB. It was a lightning bolt, taking care of business. All right, feel yourself taking care of business. And with your next exhale, as your hands come to your thighs, Lower your behind to the chair. Good. And you just washed your body. <laughs> Love the sound effects. Thanks. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
sisters from another mister. <laughs> yeah, so you can see how you could tailor it to kids, you could tailor it to office space, you could tailor it to, um, obviously if you're going into a nursing home where most people don't have that lower movement, they're gonna be doing more of this kind of stuff. You wouldn't have them come up off the seat, but you could still have them go shh, 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 seated. And you could still have them do the arm work. All right. Um, time flies when you're having fun. Is everybody good? Yeah, awesome. So now we're gonna move into a seated half moon stretch, which we kind of showed. Um, I incorporated that into the Madonna part where we had grabbed the back of the head. Now let's try it um, just with our, um, uh, our arms, not doing that little neck stretch. When I start and conclude classes, and you'll see when you, we dive, deeper to the front and the back of the manual. I like to start with a, a kind of any kind of centering technique that you want to, and then moving into a side body, a, a breath work practice, side body stretch and a twist. And this is usually my go-to side body stretch. Okay. Take and reach your right hand to the side of the chair. Inhale, left arm nice and high to where you can go to. And on your exhale, stretch on over to the right. Observe if you spiral the thumb up high and the palm faces to the back of the room, how that feels versus the palm facing forward. Look down to the ground and exhale yourself back up from strength and your Left hand comes down, inhale, right arm up. Stretch the arm up and over. Now often, if it is an able-bodied group, what I will do as you're stretching in this position, reach your right hand back down, but keep your torso where it was. And then inhale the right arm back up and you feel an even deeper stretch. and then your arm comes back down. Gorgeous. Another totally different way to do this, right? Interlace your fingers. Inhale through the nose. Exhale through the mouth. Palms pressed down, H-A-HA. Good, inhale, reach your arms up. All the way. Sway to the right. Exhale, inhale back up, exhale to the left, inhale back up, exhale, hands move through the midline of the body, palms connect, interlace the fingers, inhale, reach your arms up high, exhale, stretch to the right. Inhale, back to center. Exhale, stretch to the left. Inhale, back up. Exhale, hands move through the heart center, palms 
Just gently relax onto the legs. Um, wrist exercises are awesome, and one of the things that I like to carry around a lot are um, little balls from, uh, you know, like dollar stores or like the party aisle at Target Boutique. Um, what I have had happen, especially in memory care, is um, people trying to eat these and choke. So I have stopped using them as much with certain audiences. But these, um, like, um, there's different kinds of ball sizes, right? Golf ball, lacrosse balls, um, tennis balls. Um, but what I like to do with these is what we're moving into now is like wrist and rotations and different finger exercises. So, um, before we interlace our palms, let's do a little bit of a um, finger exercise, and this helps with Arthur, so to keep him at bay. And um, arthritis is, uh, you know, you can have arthritis at any age. Oh my God, I can't even hold it. Um, and so uh, this is fun too with kids, especially. Um, as you can tell, it's really entertaining for my brain. Um, all you're gonna do is take, whether you have the um, ball or not, take and guide your thumb to your index finger and press. And we'll just do it on the right side. I was just showing if I had a ball or didn't have a ball. And now take and uh, uh, reach your index finger up and take and hold the ball or press the finger into the left thumb. Try and keep all the rest of the other fingers straight. Yeah, that's hard, right? And now take it to the ring finger. And then take it to the pinky finger. And then what I would say to them then is hold the ball. And what it would become is a squeeze and release. Squeeze and release. And energetically, especially as yogis, we try to have our knuckles and our, our limbs straight because that makes us light <coughs> them and it keeps the fluid flowing. So after squeezing the ball for a little bit, then we would do a, a integration for the right and left hemispheres of the brain, pass the ball back and forth and back and forth. So I also have these weird like cotton ball-y things too. They're like, you know, like, um, here we can start passing some of the stuff around. Um, whether they're stress balls or weird winter-like um, ornaments, you know, but lots of sensory tools. I use a lot of sensory tools. They work really well. So, that is a great way to start to work the um, wrist exercises in. And um, I just showed you, um, this is kind of some, it's called a moksha from a community called moksha based in Canada that I work with. This is what we call a moksha breathing. 
this inhale. That's how they transitioned Bikram's thing. They made it this. So. Um, wrist rotations, just having on page 38, just literally having your rotations, just you can do one wrist at a time. And you can really tell whether it's a steering wheel, carpal tunnel syndrome from a computer, or like, you know, tennis elbow. These, all these things, sports, too much yoga. It's pretty intense. Um, one thing that I do like, um, how many of you like, like, I don't, I mean, I don't shop in your grocery store because I don't live here, but how many of you, when you hit um, like organic broccoli, has that really tight, thick um, rubber band? Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. So have you ever heard of a cat's claw? No? Like the string game? No, but that's cute. Uh, <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah, it cats, it's actually a rock oh, climber cat's thing. Cradle is what cats cradle. Yeah, 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 cats cradle. Yeah. I was like, I know, I, my brain does that too. Um, uh, cats claw is actually a hiking, uh, mountain climbing thing. Have you ever heard of a cat's claw? So um, what it is is if you take those broccoli binders and you put them right above just this knuckle, um, cat's cradle would actually be a great sensory integration thing for kids. I don't even know if they sell those strings anymore. But do you see it's, it's above the middle knuckles and then all you do is go like that. You see this muscle? A lot of people don't have that muscle. It's a thing that yogis start to develop and rock climbers start to develop. But it's really good for arthritis and it's really good for carpal tunnel. See that? So it's an interesting thing to do for those of you who do high planks too much and um, aren't properly distributing your weight. <coughs> Just it's an exercise that really helps strengthen that so that your wrists don't get messed up from your yoga practice. It works really well. But I, I will bring those kind of like rubber bands, different elastic bands and bring them to class, especially for arthritis and have them. And these are like just hair binders. So you could even use hair binders and stretch them. Um, part of my mother's disease and part of um, like uh, my father is just like aging, 80, love him. He's awesome. He caretakes for my mom and he also still works full time. Right, so he's starting to get that like where your fingers don't, you know. Mm -hmm. So this is, they actually sell these things. I'm not making this up. There's different tension bands that you can use, so I just find things that are cheap. This was that muscle in your arm that the cat's pulled. Does this have a name? No, but we can look it up during our break. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. We can. Um, it is something that yogis get though, because you can really see it, and it's from like stupid human tricks. And um, I, I, you know, like when I was a teenager, I, I started off with ashtanga, so a lot of sun salutations. Yeah. And what happens is, is that that, especially when you're practicing yoga, 
we're not like giving away energies, right? We're drawing in, we're harnessing that pure potentiality of the breath. And that one is, I think that's why people get such bad wrist injuries from yoga is because they think that when they're in plank, they're just pressing down and it's the arms that are supporting them. But actually your hands are your feet and your feet are your hands. And it, like I said yesterday, the center of your body is what's holding you. So that's why these muscles start getting strong because they're pulling up like So um, something that um, other than those bands um, moving into wrist rotations is I'll have them hold some of those props and move them in circles after we go from side to side. Another thing that I really like is silly putty. Does anybody use silly putty or I don't like that goo stuff because it smells. I don't like where it smells. Um, but silly putty works really well to bring in and just have people squeeze. Um, there's like lots of this stuff in the um, party aisles that are really not inexpensive knockoffs. Um, other thing I really like for wrist rotations is, and this has been gently used, um, <laughs> but having them pretend that they're Olympians. And um, you know the principles of the super eight. When you do the eight infinite loop, it has an effect on your brain. It's helped kids who couldn't write when they did this um, for, for like a month straight every day for a couple moments breathing. It actually, they could start writing. So it's for brain stuff. So even if there's no props, you can literally just do inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. And for someone who might be moving through um, and transitioning, um, where their synopsises aren't firing as much into, um, you know, the stuff that happens with our brain because we are just water in tubes, so drink lots of water to keep yourself fluid. Um, the Super 8s help with the um, synopsis. Can you tell me where to get more information about that? Like Brain science? Yeah, and that specifically. Yeah, um, yes. Mm -hmm. There's a great book called Smart Moves. And did I give you uh, that kid handout? Can I see that kid handout? Because mm -hmm. um, I don't have any more, I apologize. Okay. I, I gave out a couple of right there. On your website or your... Um, yes, or someone could copy this for people okay. or I could come back and hang out with you guys. But um, there's all these different things. So when you do Super 8s, um, it's a good tool to use for hand-eye coordination and all you're doing is doing infinite loops in the air But I have all these different tools that I have written down in some of my manuals so you can share that with your friends um, and you know, we're gonna do um, some of things today but, yeah. <laughs> Bless you. So um, uh, yeah, but remember, I mean, everything that we're doing is all about sensory integration practices. Um, and proprioception, it's a somatic practice. Um, red light, green light, I like to do. So one palm up, one palm down, shrug your shoulders back, and flash your hands. So that is green, green is go. Flash one up, one down. 
This also does the same thing as doing the super eights. You're doing balancing out the hemispheres of your brain, right? Hardest thing is that my sides of my lips always want to come up when I do this. Anybody feel this? Mm -hmm. Not at all. <laughs> flash, flash, flash. Make big fists. And this is another thing too, is like when you say for people to make fists with their hands, they don't like to crunch their fingers. Freeze, flip, flash. Yeah. Oh, this is just really intense because I work on the computer a lot. Oh, can't you feel that? Yes. Oh, my whole body's like, what? Okay, and then shake it out. So what I like to do is stripping the arms, which is in the in D on page 39. Take your hands. If anybody start, studied Reiki or any um, hands of healing or hands of light uh, body work practices, um, you kind of make your hand like a sandwich and you are stripping off any kind of like energies or stuff. Anybody ever have a ganglion cyst? Mm -hmm. This helps to prevent ganglion cysts because what you're doing is you're getting all that tissue that sometimes gets stuck in the um, pathways to move about. Whew. I'll do that to both sides. Mm, then we've got hand pressure rolls. This is also a very interesting thing. Young kids can keep their elbows together and do this and rotate and not lose contact. It's very hard if you go into some facilities, excuse me, to do these movements because they won't be able to keep their elbows together. So then it's just keeping contact of the hands to each other as they roll. So now we're doing more wrist fun things and shake it out. <clears throat> From the hand pressure rolls, we move into uh, namaste hands or radiant fingers. Um, this is a great, um, if you don't have a Hoberman sphere, you can use your hands as a Hoberman sphere. So uh, the tips of the fingers touch and as you inhale, you just kind of um, create space and this beautiful little sphere. And as you exhale, you press your fingers together and you broaden your shoulders. So you can really get a little bit into the digits and the arthritis. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Exhale. Inhale, exhale. What I like about that is that if you start to teach people, um, has anybody ever heard of the word kumba, kumbaka? Uh, has anybody ever studied breath ratio practice in their teacher trainings? So when you are doing an inhale and an exhale, what happens is, is that we start playing around with breath ratio. So it would be inhale, hold it, exhale, hold it. And it becomes cyclical. So that holding of the breath is called a kumba because our body is a pot. In Sanskrit, kumbak, it means pot. So what you're teaching people is that if your body is your temple or you're just an empty vessel, what I like about that breath is that that's your vessel, your inhale. 
but then your exhale is you're pushing everything out so that you can clear space for newness, right? That's why our breath or our diaphragm, you're emulating your diaphragm in these namaste fingers. Our deep diaphragmatic breaths keep our house clean. And that's truly what's happening when we're practicing yoga. It has nothing to do with the physical movements, but that body brain thing works better if we move. Uh, or our mind works better if we kind of move it. So, um, because the mind is a muscle. So that um, if you visually tell someone, like you are, you know, holding the preciousness of your heart in your hands, Anjali, right? Anjali is named for Patanjali. Words falling down from heaven. That's what Patanjali means, yes? So consciousness is coming into you. That's why we hold our hands like this. Or it could mean that it's a totally non-religious thing and you're balancing out the hemispheres of your brain, right and left, right? But if you hold the preciousness of your heart in your hands, if you really have that kumbha, that vessel as an example, and then you're saying, okay, we filled ourselves up on our inhale and then exhale, push everything out, there's a really interesting thing that happens because the words might trigger something visually for a person, and then you think like, oh, all my cells are squeezing and pushing out, right? And then the diaphragm pops back and we create space, and then exhale. And there's more effect. I'm a storyteller, so it makes, to me, it makes more sense, but I don't know how you like to communicate things to your students. So those hand pressure rolls and namaste fingers really help to uh, uh, get your hands to stretch out. This one is a tricky, tricky challenge. So let's see. Um, yogis, when they count, you know, we used to count like tapping one, two, three, four, and they would go by digits. So then you would go five, six, seven, eight. 9, 10, 11, 12. Does that make sense? So it's a really fun way of counting. Our hands are also magical, and there's a whole section on mudras and mudra practice um, because mudras are so powerful. We're going to actually take a break and do a mudra visualization as one of our um, practices together as a group, um, which is kind of cool. We're going to um, do a visualization. But um, with the individual finger bending, it's really fascinating to see who, how, um, how um, these muscles uh, start to shorten over time. <laughs> and we want to keep them resilient, like our brains. Uh, take and bring your, um, your uh, hands, like stop signs, palms face forward, fingers reach up, and just touch your pinky finger to your palm. I know. I know. The other one wants to And pinkies yeah. go back up and touch your ring finger to your palm. Touch your thumb to your palm. Touch your index finger to your palm. And touch the middle finger to your palm. Good. 
because usually when you, we hear about like doing finger exercises, we do just what Sarah did, and we usually wave our fingers like the wave. Well, that's easy, but can you do one finger at a time and kind of create like a little sequence from that? That's interesting. Okay, take your right arm up over your left. Rotate your thumbs down. Interlace your fingers. Bend your elbows out. You're cute, Jess. Thumbs reach forward. Good. Don't look at your hands. Lift your pinky fingers up. Lower them down. Lift your middle fingers up. Lower them down. Lift just your index fingers up. Lower them down. Take your hands and without undoing your fingers, open up. <laughs> That's a trick. No, it's a brain. We're doing brain gym stuff, so we're balancing out the right and left hemispheres. How many people had a hard time lifting their fingers without looking? We're all such good yogis. Yeah. A lot of people, when you do that, like do this in a, like an able-bodied yoga class, like a standing movement mat class, and see if your students can lift up just their pinkies without looking or, you know, move their fingers. It's, it's amazing how hard that is. It's in the back of your book, don't worry. But there, it is kind of a trick to do that, but it is also not a trick. And kids love this when you do this in school. Can you do that slowly? Yes. <laughs> Take your right over your left. Thumbs point down. Weave your hands together. So my right pinky's on top. Okay, bend your elbows. Reach the hands through. Take your index fingers and place them on your nose. So my left index finger is touching my left nostril. Sarah. <laughs> 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 How did you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, no, it's not. page 43 is wrist and palm stretches um, to reach your palm forward on your right hand and as your palm is forward and your fingers are pointing down use your left hand to stretch the fingers back towards you and then switch so that the palm faces towards you on your right hand and the left hand is pulling your uh, hand towards you as the fingers are pointed up to the and then you could shake it off or do whatever. I like to play the piano. And then switch. Taking your left hand forward, palm uh, faces towards you, but the fingers point down. Right hand pulls. 
and now switching fingers point up, palm faces away. Shrug your shoulders back. And let it go. Uh, how many people practice in their own personal vinyasa practice and that stretch that we were getting through the forearms, they feel like they get really tight and sore in that area? You've ever seen the stretch where you are on the ground and you put your palm facing up and you put your knee on here and you massage it. That's kind of what we were just doing. It doesn't feel so good, <laughs> but it's really effective. And it makes your fingers move in funny ways. <laughs> I'm not sure I can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But that's a really good little stretchy. How about we take a five minute break and we'll move on to legs, low back, hips, and hamstring stretches. Awesome. Uh, sometimes a kid will literally um, slice it in half and put it on top of their head like a hat and it looks like hair so you have to be careful because these are hard to find but you can get just really cheap balls from the dollar store and there's really fun ways to end and um, create laughter not just the oof da eef da eef da and the ha ha hee hee ho ho but you can play catch especially if they're in wheelchairs there's something interesting about playing catch and there's something interesting about balls that are more tactile, right? Another thing that we like to do is, and this is a great way to engage with your students before you start your class. Um, another thing that we like to do is to literally play silent ball. So in order to play silent ball, we have to stand up. <coughs> and I love silent ball. Oh, and then we have to get closer together like we like each other so that we're pretty uh, connected. And so what I like about silent ball is it's a pain attention practice. How many of you have played this before? Oh, okay, this is good. This is not dodgeball or that weird movie with, uh, what's his name, that like created that dodgeball movie. <laughs> this isn't like in gym class where your teacher, Mr. Gorm, would peg the kids on purpose. <laughs> it's like, that was his favorite thing, kill the students. No, this, is, this is actually uh, where you play silent ball and you're really quiet. You can't have an expression, right? Because that's a manifestation of like words. You can't laugh. Um, obviously, you cough if you have to cough, but you can't um, kind of be like, catch it or I'm throwing it to you kind of thing. Ready, set, go. Okay, sorry. Okay, stop for a second. Oh. 
Oh, that was like good. It. Yeah, that was good. You all did a really good job, except for the ball in the face thing. Uh, not, not your fault, though, right? But it just made us want to laugh, right? So, okay, other than wanting to laugh because of just that random incident, how many people noticed their breathing? I'm oh. sure I held it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who was holding their breath like, oh my god, what if they throw it to me? Oh yeah. shit. Yeah. Right? Especially That's... after Jessica. Yeah. <laughs> right? So this is great. Like whether you're I know some of you are doing this maybe for office stuff or whether you're doing it for a community center. Um, this is like, especially with kids, this is such a great resiliency training practice because when we're in life, right, life circumstances hit us and all of a sudden when we get stressed, what's the first thing that you do when someone pisses you off? Yeah, right? What's the next thing that you do when like you're really nervous because you're late and you're driving really fast down the highway? Right, you hold your breath. Um, what is your inclination when you don't know the answer to a test? Panic. Panic. <laughs> right. And so what, how does your body go into that panic, right? That fight or flight, right? And so usually a, someone who's going into this uh, worry, trauma kind of like spiral is that they um, freeze. And so now practice with your mindfulness practices paying attention, this might be a good one for the 10 and 12 year olds. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's practice playing catch silently, but also mindfully, noticing your inhales and exhales and feel the difference. anything different in the second time around? More relaxed. More relaxed, more present, less like... More joyful. Joyful, yeah. yeah. Right? It was like harder. <laughs> it was harder. Yeah. yeah. So part of everything that we're doing in this resiliency training, um, mindfulness movement that we're having in our world right now is how can we be less reactive and more proactive? How can we respond wisely and find joy in the moment versus because you know we've all been there where we're just like struggling to get through the day but this simple chair yoga training is just another one to plant and cultivate the seed of mindfulness awesome so pretend you're sitting in a chair and the next thing that we're going to do, oh, <laughs> you don't have to, but um, <laughs> pretend that you're sitting in a chair. And this is another thing that I like to do to pay attention. I'm just kind of, this is a nice transition before getting back into the manual. Um, aromatherapy and scent has such a powerful effect on people, right? And there's so many different tools that we can use, whether it's crystal therapy, um, aromas, um, touch you know, healing touch. There's so many different ways to get to someone. And as we're practicing, we're meeting people where they're at, right? So if you have a child, um, if you're a parent and you 
we're told like, oh, my child can't sleep, so we'll put lavender on the pillow, right? And that, that kind of stuff. So soothing, energizing, calming. But what's great about <clears throat> scent and um, not putting it on a person is you can put it inside of a used yogurt container, cut a hole in the top, put cotton balls in there, scent it with something, whether it's a lemon that's zesty and invigorating, and you're working with kids who are always kind of down and you need to up them, or people who are a little bit too wound up, too airy-fairy, too creative, and you need to kind of get them to find more stability and nurturing energy, then you would do something like a clove or a cedar, you know, like a grounding. grounding. Yes, good word. Um, so we are going to practice another way of tuning in and paying attention. And we're going <coughs> to silently meditate as we don't talk but smell. And then you can use it with kids. It would be like a question and answer. What is it? And then it's a life learning skills thing. Or with adults, it's just a fun way to get them to be quiet. another great and simple way to tune in. Did anybody have a response or a kind of a feeling towards that sensory experiment? Warmness. Warmness. Comfort. Comfort. Really interesting to me because it's not very often that you sit silently. I mean, like it started to feel like, oh wow, this is a long time. You don't ever sit like that, ever. And it brings like almost a sacred, um, I don't know, sacred is the word that yeah. comes to mind. Like, a sacredness yeah. to the space, but um, maybe even a sense of community because mm -hmm. like, we're all just like truly still. Simple, eh? Simple stuff, fun stuff. All right, thank you. Let's go back to our seats and still tuning into our practice and getting prepared to move to our legs, low back, hips, and hamstring stretch. Stretches in the manual. We just um, were outside having lunch, so I thought we could start off with some things that you don't have to write down because they're on page 67 in your manual. And... Um, 
a lot of times when I do some tuning in to the body-mind connection, preparing for class, before the visualization, the breathing, and the um, side body stretch, and then the spinal twist, I like to do a little bit of uh, squeeze your toes in your shoes. Good. Now, stomp your heels. Now relax your feet and make swaying movements with your knees. Some people call it knee circles, but. And as you feel your knees move, can you feel the rocking of your thighs? Can you move your thighs like a wave of an ocean? Slow and steady. Now, sway just your butt. This is interesting because people who are in wheelchairs and you go into a nursing home, bed sores are pretty prevalent, yeah? So just swaying side by side seems really silly, but it's actually incredibly effective. And for children and even adults who are high on the spectrum, when you sway from side to side like this, it actually starts to trigger the uh, uh, ganglion and nerves at the base of the spine to wake up the central nervous system. So it's a very stabilizing, grounding thing to do. That's why they have those peg chairs or the balls. Yeah. So that with that movement, because you're kind of fidgety-widgety, it actually makes you more focused. I had my students in golden yoga do the rocking, but scoot to the back of their chair nice. this, and then travel to the front. And we did it a few times, and there were some interesting reactions. One woman told me that it really ended up making her back uncomfortable a couple days later. So probably there's a lot of stiffness in there. Yeah. She loosened it up. Yeah. But then another woman said that she realized her mom no longer has that skill because she put her mom in the car and wanted her to scoot back in. Yeah. She couldn't. And so yeah. it just made me think, wow, like I just made that up in a moment of teaching, but it actually, I've been doing it more because it's a skill that you lose. Like, it's not a thing I ever thought, like, we use it or lose it, but it is. Okay, I have a, uh, can I add on to that wonderful, wonderful point? Okay, this is very bizarre. How many people have had students come to you and say, I have a sciatic issue? Uh -huh. <laughs> right? How many people have <laughs> said to you, I can't touch my toes because my hamstrings are tight? How many people have said to you, my lower back, and it's usually like L4, L5, right? It's like there's a pinch or it doesn't feel right or it just really hurts, okay? Squeeze your right butt cheek only. Squeeze your left butt cheek only. I can see Jess. <laughs> okay, how many people could not engage one of those butt muscles? To, to your point. Right. Yeah. Some people can't. Or did the opposite. <laughs> or did the opposite. Who, who had a hard time? I mean, it's okay. It's totally cool. I just had a client have this issue last week, and we did this, and they're like, oh my god, my butt cheek doesn't fire. And they were in a really, really bad accident, a bike accident, and they literally could not engage that hamstring insertion point in their buttocks. 
Okay, now without grimacing, because this is what happens, people start going side to side. Can you move, I'm moving my butt cheeks side to side. From your center. Super hard. I mean, I'm preaching to the choir because we're all in the world of physical activity. People can't do that. So with littles, I often have them, like, so funny you said that, drive a car. We go forward, we go backwards, we go side to side. Yeah, so that's interesting. Thank you for bringing that up. So is the cure for that or remedy just to keep doing it until that muscle memory kicks in? Right, because, and this is what's so great about what we're learning about, um, you know, um, because we used to think you can't teach old dogs new tricks. Well, you can if they're stubborn, you know, right? But if they, our, our brains have plasticity, right? And we're learning more and more about neuroplasticity. So in a way, and this is also in your manuals about the noddies and stuff like that. All of that stuff starts um, um, in the appendix. Um, there's a bunch of stuff that you had asked about. Um, noddies are called little flowing rivers of energy, right? The intersections of the major noddies are actually called chakras, right? And yogis, we talk about this woo-woo stuff. But it's really interesting when you start to dive deep, deeper because the lines of communication in your body, these little flowing rivers that help your kumbha, that help your pot, and help you to literally teach what you teach. Because if consciousness is coming into you, you're fully integrated, you're lit, right? Not from like a drink, right? Or you know some other drug that you like. But you're like literally lit from within because you are connected, right? You are tuned in. So that's what's really interesting is because of brain plasticity, science is teaching us now these nerves and the systems of nerves and the central nervous system and the, the autonomic nervous system and the ida and the pingala that we call in yoga and the shushumna nadi is actually scientifically being proven now. So all our woo-woo stuff that we believe in and that we've been following is now starting to actually be proven in science through research and through statistical study. So if anybody wants to actually make money in the yoga world, do a study or get an SBIR grant. Do something with the National Health Institute. Take surveys of your classes and statistically record it so that there is proof behind your product. So it's really interesting. Yes, you can retrain your brain. And that's what's so fascinating because um, we don't want to go backwards, we want to move forwards. How many years do, uh, how many breaths do you take in one day? It's pretty up there, right? So according to BKS Iyengar, it's 21,600 breaths a day. This is in your manual also. But ironically, yogis don't count their lives in the number of breaths that we take. I mean, uh, I just ruined the joke. (laughs) Yogis don't count their lives by the number of years. 
We count our life by the number of breaths. So what happens when we slow down? Less breath. Decrease. Less breath. Right? Who lives longer, an elephant or a mouse? Uh-huh. What is a, a mouse's heart rate like? Super duper crazy fast. It's pretty amazing when you start to really put all this stuff together, how smart these individuals were, this collective of people were, when they started to create a mind-body discipline. They probably had the same crap going on and the same stressors and the same you know, issues going on in life. Because if you think about the eight limbs, take a shower, don't sleep with your neighbor, uh, you know, be kind to other people, uh, you know, have a system, do these practices and all good is coming. So it's pretty amazing. Um, I got off track, but that was kind of cool. Um, so after that, then we move into like running in place. Right? So we're waking up the body, grounding ourselves down. We've done the toe tapping, the heels, the knee circles, the thigh rocking, we're running in place. And then what I like to do is have people completely relax. And we do a squeeze and let go, where we literally start from the toes. And you can see kind of like there's an option for squeeze and let go on page 67. But my favorite one is just with the face because we hold so much tension in our face and actually someone, a couple people have actually written books on yoga for your face. Has anybody ever seen that? Yeah, it's yeah. funny. It is, right? But it's pretty freaking interesting. So squeeze just your eyebrows and let them go. Squeeze your eye sockets and let them go. Squeeze just the temples around your eyes. And let them go. Squeeze just the forehead. And then let it go. And then pierce up your nose. Make it like a pinchy nose. Like Pinocchio before he lied. And then let it go. And then pierce up your lips. And let it go. And then pierce up your jaw, scrunch your teeth, tuck your mouth up into a big fruit roll up. And let it go. And now scrunch up your whole face, even your ears, even the hair on your head. So like everything curls up in and of itself and it just squeezes into this tiny, tiny, tight little ball. And with an exhale, let it go. So sometimes just taking an area of the body versus your full whole body like it is on page 67 works really, really well. <clears throat> Let's dive into our manual and move forward with our practice. And on page 44, a seated spinal twist. As you come into your seated spinal twist, Oh, 
Also, I used to live in New York, so I have a tendency to go pretty fast. Is everybody okay with my speed? All right, hands on the legs, shoulders are back, and heart is held high. Spread out your toes and feel this incredible alignment you have. Take and wave your left hand. Bring your left hand to the outside of your right leg. Reach your right hand and stretch it out in front of you. And like a door opening, reach the arm back as far as it'll go. Twist, twist, twist. And then bring your right hand forward. Exhale, both arms come down. You just kind of come into something called the rebound. Just let it go. Take your right hand to the outside of the left leg. Left hand reaches forward. And open, open, open. Try to really feel your behind in the chair and your hip points pointing forward. And bring your body back forward and release the arm let it go inhaling through the nose and exhale through the mouth awesome um, one thing uh, that I notice often to the point of what you were talking about Amber with the squeezing the butt back um, if you squeeze a block or a sweatshirt or a water bottle or some kind of prop in between the legs, it makes a much more balanced, active body. So if you felt like, oh, I'm not twisting from the proper point, you might wanna try that. So if you have a water bottle or a block or a sweatshirt, um, why don't you try and I know as teachers, we don't want to carry tons of props, but especially as people who aren't physically active start to try this, they'll work from the improper muscle groups. So now let's do it just a really simple twist. Take your left hand outside of the right leg, right hand to the side of the chair, squeeze the thighs together and twist, twist, twist. Feel that difference? Come on back to center. It's like uh, Suzanne Summers' thigh master. Uh, left hand outside of the leg, right hand to the side of the chair, and twist, twist, twist. And come on back to center. Anybody feel a difference? Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 In yoga language, that means that you're finding the mula bandha. Thank you. All right. Pointing and flexing your feet is super fun. It moves into duck feet and ankle rotations. What I notice a ton of is that, especially with people that I'm going into in nursing homes, they can't lift both legs up because they don't have that internal strength. So lift just your right leg up and rotate your ankle in one direction. And then the other. 
and lower the foot and reach the left leg up, rotating it, reverse, and bring the feet down. So say you're going into an office, bring both legs up, and now you can really focus on more uh, solar plexus core work. Flex the toes, the dorsiflex, yeah, and then point the toes. Flex, point, flex, point. <laughs> Butterfly kick. Ballerina. Yeah. <laughs> all right, you could scissor, right? There's all kinds of things you could do. Take and do duck feet. And now point the toes in, heels out. Holy balls. And do it again. And rotate. And open. And relax. And bring the feet down. Nice. It's funny too, because you might be sore tomorrow. I always kind of laugh, like thinking, oh, it's yoga in a chair, and it's not going <laughs> to. <laughs> Uh, 47, we move into a cat-cow. In your cat-cow, I like to take and um, do it. Uh, uh, some people just keep their hands in one position, but I find the movement of the hands is like a little bit of a massage, but it also helps to kind of give you a more of a concave, convex uh, movements. So on your exhale, press your belly to your spine, fingers to the knees. Inhale, lift your heart, thumbs into the hip creases, shoulders draw back, elbows try to touch. Exhale, hollow out the belly. Inhale, lifting up. Ooh, that felt good. Exhale, hollow out the belly. Inhale, lifting up. Exhale, hollow out the belly. Inhale to a neutral spine. And now we're going to do something that's an inner jar stretch. It's kind of like going on a tilt-a-whirl at the state fair. Um, your feet are a little bit wider, hands on the legs. And this is the same as swaying from side to side. This is really good to wake up the spinal column. And so you just start rotating. One direction. The other. And then back again. And let's combine this with some other stuff that we could do that is in the manual. Coming to center, walk your hands down towards the floor. As your head hangs down, let's take this into a spinal twist. Now remember, if someone has eye issues, retinal issues, if they're of a certain age group, low blood pressure, this would not obviously be a good thing. But if they do are, say, like doing an office break and they need to get their head out of their ass, then <laughs> this is a really good stretch. And it helps you to repurpose your energy and kind of reframe. Head hangs down. Left hand goes right underneath the head on the ground, right hand to the right knee, and you can press into the left hand and the right uh, hand and twist. If you can go deeper, then the right arm would reach up. If you can go deeper, the right hand would go to the tailbone, 
or grab on to the left inner thigh. And on your exhale, both hands come down, head hangs down. Your right hand stays down, left hand, left thigh, starting your rotation. From this position, take your left hand to the air in the above. Take your left hand to your low back, your tailbone. And if you can, wrap and bind, twisting and opening. Looking down towards the ground, left hand comes down, head hangs. You can even combine some tapping as you tap the front of the legs, tap up to your knees, maybe tap down the back of your legs, your calves, and then bring one hand and then the other to both of the knees and roll up slowly, just like a little cat cow. Hollow out your belly, chin to the collarbones. Last thing to come up is the crown of your head. As you inhale, thumbs to the hips, heart opens. Exhale, round your back, hollow out the belly. Inhale, lifting and opening. And exhale, rounding out the leg. Inhale to a neutral spine. And exhale, a smile. Awesome. Uh, we'll move into seated pigeon pose, foot massage, hamstring stretch, kind of all in the same sequence and the hamstring twist on page 51. So in that, if anybody um, does this in a um, kind of able-bodied class, a mat class, I like to start off with uh, bending the knee up as high as you can go and doing a little bit of wind removing because we already discussed how we like to talk about poop. Knees come up. You could even add in your foot rotation. And then you move with where your students want to move. If you want to get off the yoga bus, totally cool. If you want to continue on your journey, put your right ankle on top of the left leg. Good, hands to the sh uh, shins, lift your heart high. And then we just kind of pump the hip. Exhale, fold. Inhale, up. Exhale, fold. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> Inhale, up. Can you talk about hip replacement? Exhale, fold. Then I'll show you what we do because we don't even go this way. All right. And then we could, from this point, bend the knee up and take it into a hamstring stretch. So I like from the prop stores, and we'll be reviewing this when we go to the beginning of the manual, but from the prop stores, I like like ties, ropes, all of those things, you know, the dollar stores or you salvage shops. Hands underneath your thighs, straighten your leg out. Good. And then bend your knee back. And if that feels good and you're with a, you know, a super able-bodied class, then you can go into the dance of Shiva where you hold on with your left hand to the right foot and reach your right arm back. But that's a pretty intense stretch, right? Hands come forward. You could try and kiss your shins. And then you could even double up your legs and move into eagle, right? Garudasana. Then you open your arms, bring the arms under. You hug one shoulder and then the other. And then you lift your elbows up. 
If that feels good, then we move into a deeper stretch, binding maybe the wrist, the thumb, maybe interlacing the fingers as your elbows reach up. Wrists go forward. Right, so there's so many different options as you unwind, bring your arms down. And then slowly taking your hands to your shins, reach the right knee back up, back into that wind removing space and settle the foot back down. If it's a hip replacement or someone who doesn't have that ability to lift their knees up like that, then what happens is crossing just at the ankles, working the IT band works really well and that's safe and comfortable. And then we would lift our legs up and lower them down so that it becomes more of strengthening the muscles around the hips and strengthening the core so that you can have that ability. Could this be safe for knee replacement also? I believe so, yeah. I have some that can't lift up to seated pigeons, Correct. so they will do this. Mm. And that's just where they stay. Props are your friends. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. Sweet. So we just combined a lot of stuff together. You want to do the same thing, bless you, on the other side? Yes. Yeah. All right. Let's start off with that simple leg cross that we just ended with. Cross left ankle over right leg. And lift up on your exhale. Inhale to lower. Exhale up. Inhale lower. Excuse me, exhale up. Inhale lower. Exhale up. Beautiful. On your next inhale as they, you lower, just kind of undo your feet, stamp them out a little bit. Bring the left knee up. If you can, grab onto the knee. Now some people are gonna be able to put their foot on the chair, no big deal. Doesn't make you a better yogi, right? On your next exhale, let's take and slowly bring the um, left ankle to the top of the right leg. So it's like if, if more of you move into more like advanced poses where you're prepping for the archer and things like that, um, we do this with kids and we're like, hello, <laughs> who's there? You know, so you'll do butterfly pose and then you'll bring one leg up because the phone rang. <laughs> okay, so hands onto your shins. Inhale, lift your chest. I also used to pick my nose. The kids loved that. <laughs> Fold forward. Inhale up. Exhale, fold. Inhale up and exhale full right so you could just keep your students right here they don't have to go any deeper if you want to inhale come on back up grab onto either the sole of the foot for more able bodies people who are a little less stretchy grab underneath the leg and kick out through the foot if you have that strap you would put it there but carrying props around is kind of a beast lift your heart up and on your next exhale, bend the knee back, take your right hand outside of the left leg and straighten out the left leg to the best of your ability 
and turn from the center, reaching left arm open. Come on back forward, bend the knee, give it a little huggy poo, and then double up the legs. Good, inhale, open the arms out. On your exhale, left arm under, try and grab, and remember if you were working with a population that didn't have, a, was limited mobility, wrist, elbows, shoulders, elbows go high, Unwind the bind if you want to, and wrists go forward. Hmm. Inhale and exhale. Unwind the binds, releasing the hands. Allow the hands to help facilitate the legs to unwind. And stop up. You can see on page 54 when you do do the a a eagle, just like um, pumping our legs that we did here, um, you can also capture your prey like you do in a, a, a able-bodied yoga class where you hollow out and come forward. I'm always um, the only person usually when people come to some of the elderly classes that I teach. So I, if the caretakers aren't around, I don't feel comfortable. Like, having them move forward like that because I don't want them to fall. Um, that's one of the reasons that we're in a circle. If you need to go and kind of catch someone or you need to have it be more visual so everybody can see you. Because a lot of times it's like, honor, do you hear me? And then I just move, I just stop talking. I just like do poses because she can't hear me. Yeah. So moving on to page 55, there is riding the bike and um, literally trying to do boat pose in the chair. Um, oh, sorry, what page? 55? Yeah, we, we combined a lot of those together. Um, yeah, so um, there's a song called Daisy Daisy. Yeah. Yeah. You must be the same page or something. <laughs> So Daisy Daisy is, uh, when I used to play woo music, they hated it, they'd fall asleep. When I played Rod Stewart singing old time classic hits, best. <laughs> of course. We did this whole study at the university where this lady brought in digger-a-doos and like all of these like wind machines and like sound noises things. And I'm telling you, two minutes, <clears throat> So we meet our students where they're at, right? So um, Daisy Daisy, built, bicycle built for two, I don't know the whole song, but um, we always end up usually doing first verse one leg, second verse other leg. Because it's very hard, unless you're really strong, to be pedaling both legs, right? So you can sing songs, you can just do that, it's all really good. Um, we do a lot of, um, instead of that kind of boat pose, um, especially like say I'm using um, my prop, hula hoops and uh, ties and ropes and things like that are really good because um, a lot of people don't know their rights and their lefts. That's why I gave you those tongue depressor things. Michael's crafts, really, really inexpensive.
expensive, but you could say lift the red arm, lift the green arm, and we'll practice uh, something with that. That'll be what I will teach. But um, inhale, exhale, right? <clears throat> inhale, exhale, inhale, exhale. So all of a sudden now I'm doing my twists and all of my things with something stable. These are my favorite things in the whole universe. And I have taught a lot, a lot of classes with these hoops. You can make up all kinds of stuff. So for boat, we're like on a rowing machine. And we've already made our pizza pie. So we do a whole class on making the pizza, right? But then we row. So it might not be Navasana where your legs are up, but maybe it's more of a spine strengthener where you're reaching forward and reaching back an inhale and an exhale. So please don't be limited by the fact that um, this is a book that was created. You all have lots of creativity to add to it. Um, we did 56 and 57, and then we move on to page 58, where we get to go to the back of the chair. Um, one thing, because we're cruising through this manual, right, I haven't really taught as if we're in a class. We're just reviewing po uh, postures and movements. So remember that in between everything, bring in a breath, right? So if you were going to do boat, then do a breath. If you were going to make a pizza, then do a breath. If you were going to do a twist, then come back and do a breath. Maybe then into like a cat-cow. But as you all know, we're really just purveyors of the oxygen cocktail. And we're just keep coming back to, if you don't remember anything from this training, breathe. <laughs> just keep saying that word over and over again. And then by the 500th time, one of your able-bodied students will come up to you and be like, oh my god, when you said breathe, that freaking rocked my world. Because <laughs> they just heard it for the first time, right? You know, that's the crazy thing. Or like my crazy lady in memory care, she yeah. always says, I'm so thankful you let us breathe again. It is amazing. You let us breathe. She says it every class. So thankful you let us breathe again. <laughs> but seriously, they're so doped up. By the time you get into memory care, they're so doped up and they like are pooping in their pants and it's really sad because there's so, the fact that you're going in there is huge. I would say if anybody has free time, please go to memory care units. They don't get touched. They're like having really hard times and they don't breathe because they're basically doped up to sleep. Mm -hmm. You go down well super fast. Yep. So that's like definitely the hardest part about working with that population. And like you go there and then you're like... Oh, so-and-so isn't here anymore. Mm -hmm. so. I like when they take the journey quilt out. I just, like, I start crying right away. I'm like, oh, yeah, I do. Want to stand up and go to the back of our chair? So you have enough room. I don't want anybody to feel like they're kind of... So toe to heel is a really great kind of 
simple movement or like those of us who grew up with Michael Jackson kind of era where he would do like the moonwalk, you know, there's all, you could do that kind of stuff. This is especially when I go into memory care units or a lot of, even if it is people who are in assisted living and that starts now, there's a huge surge in the 55 plus living scenarios where you kind of evolve with the space. Um, remember that um, a lot of people are really unstable and so I don't do often a lot of stuff outside of the chair. Um, and then I'll go to like to the right and to the left so you're just on the side arches of the feet. You can do feet rolls. Um, if you're really able-bodied, you would not be touching the chair. Um, this goes back to the kind of theory of four points of contact when you're standing because you can really tell who's a toe walker or who is um, not using the inner arch of their feet. And this is, and then go the opposite direction. This is a great way to start to integrate um, the footprint of a yogi or balance or alignment starts from the feet up. So our nadis, our flowing rivers of energy, we're told start from the feet up. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So it's just a great kind of way to, and what I also like is this is when I would incorporate the tennis ball, uh, especially in our world of flip-flops, um, a lot of plantar fasciitis, right? Um, tree pose. So I'm gonna have you do something weird in tree pose. And um, I'm gonna say something that might be counterintuitive for those of you who have gone to teacher training before. Um, let's start off slowly and we'll move to the weird part. Okay. Take your right foot and place it on top of the shoelace side of the left foot so your right heel is pressing into your left foot. Yep. What do you feel here? Ah, yep, so all of a sudden you've put yourself into alignment. What do you feel when you just go into a class and someone says get into tree pose and the student brings their foot up like this and holds on? It's, an, it's actually an instable space, eh? So what we're trying to do is start off with that alignment. You have your superhero stance with your hands that helps kind of as they're holding the top of the iliac crest, it helps to really keep that pelvic bowl into space. Then you're welcome to, you know, some students might have the back of the chair, some might have their hands to their hips, and then right heel to the left ankle, and then heel to the calf, and slide the heel up to the knee. If you are properly aligned, there is nothing wrong with putting your foot to your knee. I know I might have made someone cry. Um, you press the leg into foot and the foot into leg because you're coming from a stable base and everything's coming from your center. So you're not tearing your meniscus. You're not pushing your foot out because you have no pressure there. The energy is with the breath. Yeah. And then set your foot back down and let's try the other side. Take the left heel to your and um, I work with a lot of osteopaths and doctors and um, body workers, and so we've had a whole debate about that knee thing. Did you win? 
<laughs> well, they in, they instigated. They were the ones who were like, I was like, no, you can't oh. do that. <laughs> My whole world is blown. Yeah. No, and then they proved the point that when you grab your hip, you have so many students that go like this, right? Yeah. They're just creating hip hike. They're actually hurting themselves. Because if I put my foot here, I'm out of balance. I'm not in alignment. So that's fascinating conversations. There, um, there's all kinds of web groups that you can have these dialogues with, you know? Or like if you're involved with certain organizations, it's amazing everybody's different philosophies and point of views. And um, that's another thing to say is like, this is all my experience and I'm sharing my opinions but I am definitely not like all knowing. And because I am a pirate and I take booty and interesting things from different uh, areas, um, and a lot of this chair yoga stuff is Iyengar practice, right? So I'm not all knowing, and I want you to take everything I say with a grain of salt, just like what we did in practice yesterday, and experience it. And if you experience it and it resonates with you, then teach it. If you don't, if what I'm saying is like, then great, awesome, totally don't, it, you won't hurt my feelings. Okay, left foot on top, shoulders are open. Once you have that stable base, take your uh, foot to your ankle. Try not to sway from the hips, but move your foot from the breath, breath to the calf. You have that micro bend in the knee so it's not locked out. Place the foot on top of the knee and if you can, slide the foot up as far as it can go without using your hands. And on your next exhale, knee comes forward, foot comes down. Awesome. <clears throat> Other things that are super fun is just doing chair pose, right, Utkatasana. And you can do fun things like an elevator ride. So, yep. <laughs> so you just have to be careful about your students' knees. But you can, like, pretend you're going to the shopping mall and go to different floors. And the doorman only opens the door. And then the door gets jammed, so you're stuck on a floor. And you kind of play around with different things. Um, another thing is goddess pose, pointing the toes out. Um, uh, in, in yoga land, um, this can also be called horse pose. So your knees come out and you're coming into a little squat. Um, in, uh, there's a, a, a school, ooh, careful. Um, there is a group, another um, corporate, uh, what do you call it, franchise, where they call this star pose. And then they come down and then they reach out, right? So there's like all kinds of different names for all kinds of different things. So. But you can, if you have an able-bodied group, reach one heel up, lower it down. Other heel up, lower it down. Both heels up. And then ride your horse. <laughs> Try to have your back long. And then whoa, one of the reins and switch. And then both of the reins and lower your heels. Straighten your legs. Hands to the back of the chair, toes point forward. It's all kinds of different things you can do. You're just creating, um, you know, engagement. Crescent lunge, um, keeping your feet in a comfortable position, 
begin to take and um, reach your, let's all face the right. Reach your right arm up. Take your left knee up off the ground. Good. We're gonna have to give you tattoos. <laughs> take your left foot back. And you can either do a warrior or a crescent. So the heel is high and the toes are down. Good. On your inhale, if you're a ballerina, you can do your ballerina stuff and you can move your arm. You know, it just depends on what you like to do. If someone can't reach their arms up, then you would have your hand more towards your heart or arm down by your side. And with your next exhale, step the left foot to greet the right. Good, take your right hand to the chair, face the opposite direction. Right knee comes up, step the right foot back. Good, ball mounts the toes to the earth. Left arm reaches high to the sky. Nice, on your next inhale, straighten the left leg. Ah, exhale, elbow to the ribs, lunge. I know it's hard, you guys. Inhale, lengthen. Exhale, lunge. Inhale, lengthen. Exhale, lunge. Inhale, lengthen, reach high. And exhale, step your feet together. Arm down, look back forward. So I'm embellishing on the theme, right? Um, warrior three is actually a three-legged, it's a three-legged dog, right? So one thing is in um, Iyengar practices, there's all kinds of different ways to do a um, down dog. One could be bring your elbows to the chair. So your hands are, and your forearms are on the chair, and your booty's back, and your elbows are on the chair. Right? Another down dog is to take and bring your hands. <laughs> this is a little uncomfortable because you all just ate, so if you fart, that's okay. <laughs> your torso is to the back of the chair, and your hands come forward, and your head hangs down. Yeah, if you have to pee, go to the back. And you're short. <laughs> <laughs> right? So you're just kind of folding over, right? Another down dog is to take and bring your hands to the chair and walk the feet back. <coughs> Another down dog is to do a warrior three and just lift one of your legs. Now if someone is unstable, you can have them do this by holding the sides of the chair and then lifting a leg. So they're doing more of like a, a Ardha Chandrasana or a standing splits. So there is lots of fun ways to get to the same thing. Since we're at the back of the chair, if you flip to page 64, we'll do 63 in a second. So this manual is me in different variations of hair stages. <laughs> I was wondering if that was you. Yeah. So this is when, um, yeah. 
This is the divorce phase. Cut that man out of your hair. <laughs> this is in growth phase. <laughs> yeah. So, I thought it's like, oh, okay. So, separate leg stretching. Um, you're standing, um, let's face the right. Feet parallel with each other. And um, you'll notice how I'm always moving the leg that's towards the, in the closer to the chair back. It's so that you have more stability, more structure, yeah? So the, take the left foot back. Your right hand is in your right hip crease. And those of you who were practicing with me um, yesterday and took some of those classes, um, this is like you're waiting for the warriors. This is a great way to get your hips to stay in alignment. Whether your heel is off the ground or your foot is down, bring your right hand into your right hip crease and push with hips back with that hand in the hip crease. Good. And you don't have to go all the way down. It's much more effective with that less is more attitude. Lift your chest back up and step the left foot to greet the right. And then let's switch. So you're having them move from the center. Left hand, left hip, right foot moves back. With your inhale, lift your chest and keep the left um, hand in the hip crease and exhale, draw your chest forward. Good, so your chest is parallel with the floor, body strong. And inhale, lift yourself back up. Exhale, step right foot to greet the left. And look back forward. Good. You can see how um, pigeon pose can be done standing. In some schools, I thought they call it a figure four. If you do that, that's a great one. Um, I like um, extended side angle stretch, but let's do, um, because there's some variation of that in a second on the other side too, so let's do um, dancer's pose. Bring your right hand back, whether you have a prop or you have, um, uh, or you can reach with your hand, bring your right hand to the right foot. So at first what happens is people grab the foot from the outside, but ultimately we're trying to grab the foot from the inside, so it's an external shoulder rotation. Palms face out, right? And then you can kick the foot into the hand and the hand into the foot. Now this pose has many variations. It could stay heel to the tushy. It could create a big arc with the back. There's lots of people on Instagram now who are doing the standing splits. Um, they probably had gymnastics practice before they did yoga um, because dancer is about the balance of creativity and destruction. So Nataraja, right, is the Hindu deity of creation and destruction. So one hand is in the, you know, that balancing act is showing you life, those two sides of the coin. And then um, the other side, Let's try it just for people who can't do that arc or that forward fold, take the left hand back and just bring the heel to the butt and then you're welcome to not worry about where, where your hand resides. And then release the foot. 
So extended side angle is a really interesting stretch. We'll come back to the sun salutation, don't worry about it. But extended side angle is a really interesting stretch because it's very similar to your warrior two. When we come into extended side angle from the back, like you see on that page, you're just basically in a lunge and you have one arm down. And then if you feel supported, you can bring your arm up off the chair, right? But what I like to do it is like a warrior two. Um, this is where practice becomes a little bit like that movie Chicago or um, flash dance because it is kind of like you're dancing with a chair. So let's all sit down. All right, so remember, everybody's body is built differently, thank God, because as my dad said, then, you know, that's what makes horse races. We want to be unique and different. There are many trees in the forest, as we can see from the logo here, pine and palm. Um, take your right leg out. Your groins might not do these, you know, your, your muscles might not like this, so don't force it. Take the left leg to the left. And you are in warrior two. Yeah. Right, and now all of a sudden, I can do an extended side angle, but my whole challenge part is all saved. I know my back just cracked. Anybody else like this? And like in Iyengar classes, there are specific folding chairs that are designed, you know, with the bars missing and certain heights and stuff for old folks. I wouldn't do this. Yeah. yeah. No, this is like, we're having fun now. Woo. <laughs> yeah, no, there's no way. But I mean, there are like, if you're rehabbing someone and they're like having, you know, like some arm stuff going on and, you know, they want to do vinyasas and they want to do things, then I would use this. Um, but it's just fun. And then, so that would be a warrior two or an extended side angle. And then you can see on page 65, it gets even goofier, like a revolved triangle. You can um, come down into your down dog and then turn it into a revolution by um, moving one arm up, right? So you start moving into uh, things that are more alignment oriented, right? And alignment was Iyengar's big, big thing, right? BKS. Beat, kick, and shout. <laughs> that wasn't really what his initial standard for. <laughs> Should have been. It was funny. My Iyengar teacher when I was younger was the biggest meanie, and, uh, and yeah, yeah, like, like.
like I would walk out of there crying, like stop, yeah. like you're Me horrible, too. and I was like, thank you, right? And I was like, like, where are you going to class? Yeah, Did you cry after I know, right? <laughs> oh, no. but it's because it's so based on like linear alignment and it's more structure oriented, right? And then like I used to tease him because he cut his ponytail off and he got nicer. But I think really what happened, I know, I was, no, that wasn't really it. It was because over the years, what happened is they had to realize that that line of communication does not work with American culture. So they changed their tactics, but their tactics are really good. Um, the, you guys don't have one here, but there are um, rope walls. Mm -hmm. Rope walls are not now aerial yoga. Don't tell an aerial yoga that person that because they'll be really pissed, but it's the same thing. You know, it's just, it's using a prop. Chair yoga and all of this stuff was used to heal from the inside out. So this stuff that um, now we're moving into with this kind of crazy um, pigeon that I'm gonna show you or some of the bridges and things like that, this is where um, the Iyengar really focused on <coughs> healing with the props. So like, I would never ever teach a bridge like this to a group of um, you know, people in nursing homes, but I would teach it if I was going to teach school children how to like, um, kind of create some space in their shoulders because they had a test prep and one of the kids is like, my neck hurts and I have a headache. Then I would create expansiveness, right? Um, if I was working with some kids and they were all um, athletes and hockey players, I would have them do pigeon pose, right? So this is an acquired taste too, right? Not everybody likes it. So um, you're putting one leg forward, it depends on the back of the chair, and the other leg back. And you're creating the pigeon. Because if you have tight hip flexors, you can really feel it. So would you like to try that figure four? Please be nice to your bodies. And also remember that the front foot, the foot should be dorsiflexed because then it'll protect the meniscus and the knees. A lot of people go passive in this pose, but we're not doing yin yoga. Um, huh? No, you're doing fine. No, you're fine. It doesn't matter which side, because this chair is different. Some chairs have more space underneath them, that's why I put my knee out. It's good. And if you want to switch to the other side, go for it. If that is too much for people, there is also a thing in here for hip flexor stuff where you just sit on the chair and you bring one foot up. So that you're sitting facing, say you're facing left, the left foot stays down, you reach for your right foot. Now if you can't grab the foot, no big whoop, right? Because you can just use a strap or a tie. It's not how high you get the foot, it's where you get that foot into position. That's creative. 
Look what Liz is doing. See, so you can do all kinds of different stuff. Yeah, no, it's good. Um, yeah, actually, that would be a good picture. Uh, so there are lots of different, yeah, doesn't it? Especially if you're like a parent that carries a kid around a lot, or you carry bags on one side, you are just by default going to create hip hike. And that's a great stretch to do. Um, then you can see here, there is um, a different seated Shavasana on page 66 and playing the piano. Um, different ways to do shoulder openers like Gomukhasana cow face pose. Doesn't have to be done with the leg, legs. You could just grab onto the chair. You could bring one arm up. I'm kind of cruising a little bit because I just looked at the time. So there's all kinds of fun things you can do. I would like to, if you don't mind, turn back to um, 63. where it is a seated sun citation. And in the back of the book, I took some things that also are different variations of sun citations and put them in your manual. And that's from page 77 on, where you start to do I, um, where your appendix is and some other fun sequences. But on page 63 is just a good simplistic example of a sun citation. Now I have a friend who is a, um, a famous yogi, his name is Matthew Sanford. Has anybody heard of him? Yeah. Oh, I was like, okay, so he's my friend. He's a fellow Scorpio. And he is, um, you know, we spend a lot of time doing fun stuff together. And um, his book is great. He is a paraplegic. He teaches Iyengar yoga. And he has a whole thing where he teaches people how to go into places like the Courage Center. And uh, who said that they are working in the nursing world? Yeah, who and so you might want to look him up. I'll give you his information. And they have programs where they go in and um, work uh, with um, uh, people who are paraplegics or people who have suffered from serious, serious injuries and do a lot of that stuff. So this is something that would be for those people who maybe can't move their lower half of their torso but can still do a sun salutation, right? So inhale, reaching up. And exhale, arms reach back, chest forward. Inhale, reaching up. Exhale. Good, so now you have basically done like an Utkatasana, right? And you're creating this beautiful bellows breath, right? Oh, I'm emulating a bellows. Some people don't know like what a bellows is. So you stoke the internal flame with the bellows like you stoke a fire. Then from that, then you would use a little bit of a twist. Now obviously, if someone is a paraplegic, they're not going to move their legs in this, but you could still do a twist, right? And use that as your hero pose. But say you can move, then your inhale becomes a crescent or a warrior one. I love how your body keeps popping. <laughs> Michelle. 
And then your exhale, you can stay here to reap the benefits, right? You don't have to do a fast sun salutation. And then inhale back to center. Exhale, arms are down. Inhale, reach high. Exhale, chest parallel, arms reach back. Inhale, reach high. Exhale, arms down. Then this becomes your transition. Left leg goes out. Right foot goes back. Right, inhale, reach your arms up. Exhale, arms come down. So you could play around with that arm movement that you wanted, or you could just inhale and come on back to center. Exhale, arms relax. Inhale, reach high. Exhale, chest parallel, arms reach back. Inhale, reach high. Exhale, arms down. You do three of those, like it says, uh, as some examples of some class themes to put together. All of a sudden, you've taken up almost 10, 15 minutes, and you've got a, your heart rate goes up, your body's integrated, you've moved. It's pretty amazing. All right. So what I would like to do because we really have gone through the poses, except for if you go to page 68, then it would be um, the seated spine twist and the half moon stretch and relaxation. We're not really gonna go there right now. So you can see on page 67, there's some interesting options where it's more tactile and tapping. You can do uh, sparking the vagus nerve and it tells you where to tap to engage vagus nerve. So that parasympathetic um, wake up call through tapping. And then you've got um, tapping or the chi awakening experience. So maybe what I'll do is when I'm doing a demo for uh, when we all teach to pass our test, then um, I maybe I'll, uh, show you that one. But what I would like to do is a transition before we move into page eight of the, um, because from page like um, 112 on, it's all kind of like more of the kind of, if you're interested in learning more about some of these words and things that I was saying, I put some stuff in there. Um, and then um, there's on page 102, there's a rise and shine stretch. And the appendix has a lot of good gunk in there, but that's more of like the read and practice on your own if you would like to. I would like to go through the why and the um, props and stuff and um, some breathing things before you all get to teach a pose. Sound good? Mm -hmm. So are we all getting a little loopy? Anybody? Mm -hmm. Okay, how many people um, are um, not, uh, we can do this um, facing each other. So let's just not move our chairs. Let's do two and two and two and two and two, two, two. Two. Awesome. Okay, so start off first and face each other. 
So I don't know, for the people who work here, I'm using the recording device to um, record um, the class, so I can't take a picture because then it stops. So if you think that um, Palm and Pine needs any pictures, then I don't have my phone. Ah, I do, but my phone is full. Oh, yeah. that's fine. Can you snap some phone? Yeah. Good. So um, down dog in a chair. It's like you're playing patty cake. Put your hands together. This will be fun to do with your honey at home. Right? So all you're doing is you've got to get in a position where you're pushing into each other and your back gets that nice, good stretch. Awesome. All right, does anybody have something that I could borrow to take a video and then we can send it to Pat? Because you all look so pretty. <laughs> okay, and now if you want to, um, all we're gonna do after this one, does anybody not feel it? So you're kind of at an angle, so you might have to scoot your chair back even more, but you guys might be too far away from each other because your arms are up high a little bit, so you get that stretch through your armpits. You want the arms up high. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So see how Amy and Elizabeth have more of an opening in their shoulders over here? There's a little bit of freedom that happens. Thank you. So you're just breathing. Inhaling and exhaling and you're down dog. All right, and from your down dog, we're just gonna do a back-to-back -back kind of a thing because I do a lot of like partner work, right? So if you put your chairs back-to-back. -back, the experiential thing is kind of fascinating because um, when you do this, like sitting crisscross applesauce in your lotus pose and then your back is with your friend, then all of a sudden, like say that you have a really wound up kid, this is a great grounding practice because you mm -hmm. feel each other breathing, right? So here in a chair, it's gonna feel a little bit different, but open your arms up wide and jockey for position and have one person's kind of arms, there you go. And you don't have to bend your elbows like a stop sign, but just palms face in so you're just kind of using that natural traction. Okay, is everybody's shoulders okay? Awesome, with your next inhale, this is where you're talking energetically to each other, reach one right arm up and one left arm down. Good, does that feel, I love this. And come on back to center, and now switch. And come on back to center. And let's do it again and switch. So this is kind of called a sun breath. Thank you. Awesome. So you're just inhaling and exhaling. Good. 
Good, and now bring your arms down back to center. Sweet, and then we will take and we will do one more partner thing. Um, this one we're gonna do um, a little bit of standing, so everybody come on up. All right, so you can rotate your chairs back into our circle. And, um, okay, tell someone to pull forward, one of the partners, pull forward. But your booty has to be facing your friends to pick Wait, what? Booties to booties? No, 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 no. So, oh. <laughs> okay. okay, whoever is forward folding, just you, you get to control how fast or how slow this happens. So just gently fold forward like a rag doll. Okay, now the other person's gonna take their hands in that uh, fists, that nice mudra of surrender, and you're standing behind your friend, and you're just like two little beating drums, and you're gonna just gently, from the logo of their pants, they roll up, right? And they can all, uh, they, if they, the slower they roll up to standing, the slower we pound the QLs and wake up the chi in their body. Oh, that's awesome. So slow and steady, and then think of it as a little person walking along your spine. And we're not doing an alignment workshop, but think about this. As I roll up, I'm really rolling slowly. So the last thing that comes up is the top of my head, right? You're really uncoiling like a beautiful flower just un curling from a night of sleep into the dewy morning and the sunshine. Oh, I thought you were going to give me a hug. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Okay, so I challenge you to round your back. Very nice. Yeah, that was good uh, pressure, too. Right? It's a nice little chi, chi, chi tapping thing. So most of you are yogis. Can I do one yoga thing? Okay. Um, will you be my guinea pig? Okay. So what's going to happen is I saw a lot of you, like, and when we do cat-cow, a lot of people go, right? And then what happens is they're folding from their center, but they're not really accentuating the pose. So Sarah's going to use her fingers like a little person walking up my spine on the muscle, major muscle groups, right? So the QLs. So what's gonna happen is I can only move and I can only breathe where she places her fingers, okay? So she kind of stands on the side and she's gonna walk her little person and I'm gonna do cat-cow. So yeah, you guys wanna hands. see from this side, you might be able to see. Um, no, so you're gonna just walk your fingers uh, up or down. Okay, so she starts off at the logo of my pants, right? And then now watch. So am I doing a cow or a cat? A cat. <laughs> you know, the round back one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Are you seeing what's happening? Yeah. That proprioception. Right, but I'm only moving what she's touching. Yes, please. <laughs> so that I can't, like most people, when they do cat cow, they've already collapsed. Talk about that finger work. Holy crap, man. <laughs> but do you see what I'm saying about that? So when you're rolling up, it would be the same thing. So you're articulating your spine, rolling, 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 unfurling, because a lot of people were coming up like that. So really think about that when you're doing your cat-cow, that it's not just this pop, collapse, pop, because that's how we kind of teach it. And really take it back a couple steps and make it really slow and de defined. Thank you. That'll really help you as teachers and as breathers. Now you all want to try that, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you want to try it? Yeah. Okay. So same partners. You're taking that little person on a walk, but the person who's doing cat-cow can only move that area that's being touched. So as we continue on from that partner work, what I would like to do is just really quickly, because I would like everybody to have an opportunity to take a break for like five minutes and then we'll uh, regroup and teach a pose. I want us to review the manual for a moment, starting at the front on page eight. So we kind of went over the manual outline um, from four, five, and six, and seven, but we never really kind of skimmed, and we're really just gonna skim this because we all do really come from such great disciplines and we're all here together to learn from each other, that as we are studying this yoga and this skill in action through our Strong Spirits Mindful Movement program, we're just learning how to sit our way to better health, so maybe someone can then get out of the chair into a full-on practice, or maybe just enhance their life so that they don't feel confined to the chair because they find freedom, just like um, Matthew did in um, his life uh, after becoming a paraplegic. Um, breathing and stretching is creating harmony and balance, and um, one of my mentors, uh, Richard Freeman, always makes this joke, that we're just twisted souls trying to find center. And uh, I come from that Ashtanga lineage with you know, Swenson and uh, T.S. Little and Rod Stryker, who now is more into the tantric and the four desires kind of stuff. But like all of those guys really, really constantly wanted you to think about the fact that if we are twisted souls trying to find center, then energetically we can uncoil what binds us and be able to find center, but our whole life is a balancing act, right? And you will really, really notice, and you will really, really start to observe how everything that we do in yoga 
is based upon shtira sukha. For those of you who are yogis, shtira and sukha is that um, strength and weaknesses um, where you're finding the sweetness and the bitter, but you're coming into center. You know, you're riding, like if you were a psychologist or a therapist and you were working with children and teaching them CBT to self-regulate, cognitive behavioral therapy, to regulate for anxiety, you're teaching them positive aphorisms. Oh my God, that's mantra practice, right? You're teaching people how to not go so high, high, or not go so low, low, but to find center. So life is a balancing act. What are other things that come from um, uh, our lives that are like opposites, right? Like inhale, exhale. Sleep and be awake. Yeah, sweet and sour, right? Yeah. Uh, sleeping and awake, like you just said. I thought you said sweet, sorry. No, I'm deaf too. Sleep and wake. Sleep and wake <laughs> sweet and sour, I'm losing it, right? Um, what else? Happiness and sadness. Happiness and sadness, male and female. Good and bad, right? What's another thing that encompasses our entire practice? and the main name of the kind of Raja Yoga that we practice. Raja meaning regal. Hatha. Hatha, yeah. So ha and ta, the sun and the moon, right? Everything that we're doing is about practicing balancing and keeping ourselves, here's another word, right? And here's a journey into power word that Baron likes to say all the time. We're trying to find equanimity. Right? Or Barrow Bender Birch, she loves to say that too, right? So we're trying to find this equanimity. So we don't have we can ride the waves of life with grace. And that's really what we're here is to find unification and ease. And that liberated state of being. Have you ever heard a word called moksha? That's my favorite yoga word, moksha. We're trying to find yoga, uh, moksha through yoga. M-O-K-S-H-A. I mean, I don't know how you say it in Sanskrit, but try, right? So we are offering joy and peace and tools to find freedom. And that's tough. As we do that and we practice just hatha yoga with a chair and a smiley face and adding in your personality, right? You're elevating people's health and well-being as you're improving their uh, uh, musculoskeletal fitness and flexibility. With a chair, you can bend and twist with a stable base. You can use, you can lift your body with support. You can do a lot of cool things that give you the opportunity to reduce high blood pressure and anxiety and even alleviate um, like arthritis or help someone who does have MS be able to do some cool things with their body to relieve some of the pain. If you turn to page nine, um, these are exercises that are therapeutic, that is working your body from head to toe. And in turn, what I've really noticed from working, whether it's able-bodied or disabled bodies, there's a sense of kind of what we're practicing here today, that svadhyaya or self-study is a way to build your self-esteem, your self-worth, find your truth. And when you have that purpose and that truth, 
There's something really awesome because it gives you a brightness. You can think I'm full of hoo-ha, but if you have someone like my mom who can't raise the, her arm to put makeup on, sorry, um, and then all of a sudden you're teaching different tools to get your fingers to work again, fucking A, that's the coolest thing in the whole world, right? So there's all kinds of amazing things that happen, and there's a whole list of them on page nine that um, help you to um, empower yourself into balance. Even breathing, for people like we were talking about with when Sarah had mentioned it, like in memory care units, if you're solely highly medicated all the time and you're not breathing, so even teaching a simple breath, and we're gonna do something fun with a straw um, and Kleenex, that is so bright for your community to, to try. Um, alignment and sitting properly, um, everything that we do, um, when it says to page nine to pay, and the next going on the next page, we literally get out of whack when we're not sitting in alignment. So I loved Amber's definition of scooting back in the seat or finding different ways to um, move your body into a position so that you have um, the tools to re-engage and reacquaint yourself with muscles that have stopped being used. Um, tadasana is um, a word that's really awesome in yoga. I love it when I'm teaching kids. I talk about how we are magicians, right? So what is tada? That's on the bottom of page nine. Tada. Yeah, it's magic, right? But tada is, I always teach them, it's just like pulling the bunny out of the hat. That tada, I am here. Tadasana is all about finding that alignment, whether it is um, standing on two feet, whether it is sitting in a chair, you are practicing containment and you're practicing drawing things to the midline or drawing to center. So different other words that people use often, dynamic opposition, integration, harmony, even in like a Donna Farai or someone who likes restorative yoga, they're really focused on, even through the restorative yoga, finding Tadasana. So if you were a student who was going through a teacher training program with me and we were talking, you would get so sick of me because my two favorite words are breathe and Tadasana. Everything is Tadasana. Every single thing that you do is Tadasana. So if you engage from that aligned state, even if you're sitting, even if you're laying down on the ground, then it's awesome, harmony comes, moksha comes. So a lot of times at the beginning of class, um, you know, skimming the benefits of stretching, but really focusing on why they're doing this and how to be in alignment is huge. Um, if you go to page uh, 27, we're going to just skip there for a second. Twenty-seven teaches you literally how to um, set the stage for a hour-long chair yoga sequence. Um, 
some of the things I wrote in here is just things that people have always asked me questions on, like, you know, do I do work from a journal? Do you log your classes? Do you record your classes? It's really up to what you like to do. Um, can the lights be on or off? With seniors, lights always on. With school rooms, usually I like to actually turn the lights off in the beginning at the end of class because it really creates that nice space. With offices, lights dimmed really helps change the environment. Arranging the chairs in a circle we kind of talked about, but um, music and um, uh, we talked a little bit about it, like the, the classic oldies seem to work better, but that's my experience. You might want, if you're doing it in a classroom or an um, office setting or a community center setting where it's more able-bodied people, to have something you know more mellow and kind of amping everybody down. Um, you want to give a brief introduction. These are things you all know because you are all teachers already. Um, what your name is, what your focus is, and then I really like to keep saying to do your best and not compare yourself because I think that's um, comparison is the thief of joy and sometimes people don't be their best self because we're so worried about what other people think. Um, taking the breaths is a really good focus to keep reminding people on page 27. And then I have if you go to page 11, that's where I have all my props. And you've seen some of them. Chairs can be all kinds of different kinds of chairs in the universe. So it just has to be stable, sturdy, and not tippy. Um, blocks as a riser, you can see some of your friends have already done that. Um, straps uh, are really easy to come by. Um, Bolsters or pillows are a little bit heavy. I showed you different uses for stress balls and tennis balls um, and not eat the balls. Um, bouncing balls are really good. Um, I also use uh, light you know, balls for weights for people. And then um, stability balls would be more for kids. Um, you know, there are sometimes, what's that cornhole game, the corn toss? So you could get a bunch of those kind of things or sew up your own eye things, but your kit becomes heavier and heavier, right? This is something that I do like. These balls are at, they used to be a dollar. Now Target kind of, they're three dollars, but they're glitter balls and they bounce, they used to bounce, they stayed in my um, car too long, so it started melting. But instead of creating your own glitter jar, for those of you who work with kids, um, you can just have these balls uh, and buy them. Um, what is great about them is that they are already pre-made and you don't have to worry about it and they're really accessible. And a lot of times with kids who are on the spectrum, they have treat areas where they get the prizes if they get a certain amount of points, right? So um, I like giving these instead of food because uh, a lot of times the food that they want is sugar. And um, that's a whole other story. But um, there are some of these with uh, 
what are those lights called? Flashing lights, um, strobe light kind of things. You don't want to put someone into a stroke, so make sure you don't get anything that lights up because they stop. You can't stop that flasher thing. Another thing that I really like are these. Are dice from the dollar store. So then I'll do the class and I'll have each person and we go around and they roll the dice. So whatever it lands on, that's what they breathe. Currently there are big inflatable dice at Target in the entryway aisle because their summer supplies are getting um, sold uh, off at good prices. So you can might get a big roll of the dice and people like that, especially if they can't see very well. Uh, for breathing exercises, um, I like using the chime, which it's got the name there, for sound awareness and breathing. This singing bowl, you know, count how many breaths you can take if you have a singing bowl. Um, uh, balloons and Kleenex, cotton balls and straws, all these fun things that you have. The colored tongue depressors. So I passed them out, but we might not use them today. We'll see if we get to them. But with those hand, uh, you know, uh, color is much easier than saying right and left. Whether it's a kid or a teenager or an adult that's our ages or someone who is in a, a facility, um, right and left is just always really hard to remember. So it's almost more fun to like raise the green arm. Raise the red arm. Especially like with the older population, they really struggle. Like especially if I mirror, it's like like they yeah. spend the whole time doing that, you know, mm -hmm. and like just look and follow. Like yeah. but that's okay. yeah. that's yeah. And the other thing too, and that's an interesting point that you say is if it's not a circle and you do go into a facility and it is like a group looking at you and you're like a TV set then do the opposite. So if you're teaching them right so that you say, I'm like the TV set, follow me, then you have to do that side because it'll be way easier because then they're totally confused. Um, another thing that um, I like to do is um, at the end of class, I asked people always a sweet, same, sour, right? And so sweet, I like to say super because, right, super stretch. So, um, and so a lot of times I'll say raise the red hand if it was a bad class, raise the green hand if it's a good class because I want to somehow quantify or find out, you know, what's going on, how are you feeling, was this effective, especially with kids. All right. I know it sounds like I'm going really fast, and I am because I want you all to have an opportunity to teach. So um, why don't we take just a bathroom break, and then we'll move into breathing. And from breathing, we will have all of you teach a pose if you want to. Remember, this is all optional. You can opt to not teach. You're still going to pass the course. <coughs> I just want you to feel um, comfortable in your space and then um, we will do a group photo and a visualization and you'll all be on your way. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> all right.
You have, um, as we move into the benefits of breathing, you have some balloons. You have some straws and cotton balls near you. And you have some Kleenex uh, toilet paper, which I just gave you because we didn't have any Kleenex. So we're going to talk a little bit on page 13 and 14 about the importance of breathing and breathwork practices. And uh, I like uh, props. I like uh, tools that help people find center. And um, I like things that help people visually see the power and the life force that's inside of them uh, that helps us to uh, stay, um, just like the word ujjayi, victorious over our monkey mind. Right? Our mind likes to play tricks on us. And every time we breathe, we reacquaint ourselves with ourselves. Not the one that the mind likes to kind of make up, but the one that is the tr our true nature. And um, so every inhale, every exhale that we are doing, we're giving ourselves a time to be and to create space for the magic to happen. Um, on 13 and 14, it's talking a little bit about the benefits and a little bit about how your diaphragm works and a little bit about um, how, like eating, our breath offers us power and energy to live. When we improve our breathing, we enhance our physical, mental, and emotional well-being for a whole lifetime. Um, and especially with little kids, you can tell this, adults become better at concealing their emotions, but um, they repress it and then it turns into uh, bad, icky things. But with kids, you can definitely see how um, uh, your insides are reflected out through breath work. Relaxed, happy, anxious, mad, goofy. Um, and um, we want to stay in that relaxed state of being. But what happens, especially in our lives right now, is um, uh, as the world is in turmoil or as we have a lot of responsibilities and we might be a parent, we might be a lover, we might be a friend, we might be a worker or a coworker, we might be a student of the world, but there's lots of pressures that come onto us and life circumstances that can kind of put us down. And we want to use our breath to stay happy and healthy. Our inhales and exhales, um, like a balloon, work to um, uh, engage our diaphragm, our intercostal muscles, and all these other things that help us to exchange old air to new. What I love is that when we are using our breath, we are literally holding our heart in our lungs, like we hold our hands, you know, uh, holding uh, a ball. We are literally, every time we breathe, our lungs are giving our heart a hug and keeping us healthy. And when that diaphragm moves, it allows us to, um, light up the prefrontal cortex and relax our flight or flight response. 
when we breathe, it literally can, just like what I was saying about my mom being able to do something because of these subtle movements and breath work practices, that can-do attitude changes everything. And once again, you all teach such amazing classes to incredible people. I'm just like reiterating what um, you know in this manual. Um, if you go to page 15, um, the recuperative powers of breath are pretty amazing. And one of the reasons that alternate nostril breathing was actually created is to help to integrate the hemispheres of the brain, but it also works really, really well with asthma. It might be hard at first, but try and try again, like the little engine that could. You ultimately are able to keep doing it for a little bit longer, a little bit deeper. So anxiety and asthma, it really, alternate nostril breathing is a great tool to use. Uh, prana here um, allows you to um, kind of get the definition from the ancients of what they thought of the breath as life force or subtle energy that flows through the body. If you are a religious person, in Hebrew, the name for breath is also the name for spirit, which is ruach. If you are into um, you know, Eastern modalities, not only is prana a word, but chi is a word for energy. So a lot of everything we're focusing on is really based on breathing practices. Um, and it is something that has permeated all cultures. It's pretty neat. I think there's in African cultures, there's a word, it's called ashe, almost like ash, but that's like that air, that space, that energy that keeps you vital. Um, even the name of Warrior Three, a, a Warrior One and Warrior Two is Virvadra. Virvadrasana. Does anybody know what that means? Ever heard of the word Viagra? <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Virvadra is like vitality, vibrant. It's all tied together. It's really cool. So when we're teaching people to breathe, we're teaching them to tap into the vital life force and um, develop that space to be a witness instead of getting consumed with those mental thoughts. Because if we get super duper consumed with those mental thoughts, we can go into a direction that we don't want to go, which is in our path. So even though we're teaching something as simple as a exercise class at a, um, you know, like a, um, a Y or at a church youth group or going into schools um, and they see it as ex exercise, we're actually doing a lot of really good positive psychology, which is really cool to me. And, and we're, we're scientists. We're actually helping these neurological pathways um, not dig deep groups and get out of it. So there's that Kumba for you, for the pot. Fun breathing exercises that I like to do with the students. Um, some of them we've already practiced, some of them we haven't, but on page 16 and 17 and 18, it goes into all of these incredible different breathing practices that we're not really gonna focus on a lot today because we don't, and 18, 
uh, 19, because we don't have a lot of opportunity to do that. But what I would like to do is to teach you something really simple. Maybe in your teacher training courses, you used to learn something about fogging up the mirror. But I gave you this really nice piece of toilet paper. <laughs> so you're going to hold it up like, um, like a curtain for your house. So you're going to hold it about a hand's width away from your face. All right, but be gentle. So just thumb and index finger nice and lightly. Inhale through the nose. Exhale through the mouth and make your curtain move. Oh, it's so good. Inhale through the nose. Exhale through the mouth and make your curtain move. Wasn't that a pretty sound? Okay, now inhale through the nose and exhale through the nose and make your curtain move. Ooh, inhale through the nose. Exhale through the nose, make your curtain move. <laughs> I can't do any of the stuff that you're telling me to do. I'm sorry. <laughs> what do you feel between the two? Everyone's got a lot of tricks with the boy. They're coming close. Yeah. Yeah. Lower, or like get it to the nose. Like how do I get this? Too late. Who's yeah. having a hard time breathing in and out through their nose and making the curtain move? They can move as much, they can move, they can move, yeah. but it's not moving as much. Right. So now you're figuring out that ujjayi, that victorious breath, is really powerful and forceful, but where, where in your body are you feeling is like really starting to engage the breath from? That right. Zibeli. Yes. So this to me is like such a fun, simple thing to teach someone that breathing isn't that 30% of the breathing capacity, which is where we're really stuck in in our day-to-day, -day, but it's from the lower back. It's from the diaphragm. And in order to get the diaphragm to move, we actually have to play these silly little games and tricks to make it work. I'm told, right, I'm just play a doctor on TV because I took the I out of my master's degree. Um, <laughs> I am told that um, after year five, kids start, stop breathing diaphragmatically. <clears throat> so like we, it is our birthright, and Iyengar uh, used to say this all the time, it is our birthright to be happy and flexible and free. But the thing that messes us up is our monkey mind. The thing that messes us up sometimes is life circumstances, but we have the opportunity to <coughs> rewrite our autobiography at any moment. At any, any, any moment. Some of my favorite yoga teachers started yoga in their late 50s. R really, yeah, and, and, and some of my favorite yogis don't look like yogis. So don't let media fool any of your students that you're working with, you know? It is pretty amazing how you can start at any time to take a step forward to be the best person through breath and movement. All right. Another fun little thing that I love to teach, especially at in the facilities, and I didn't take one for myself because I'm constantly wasting them, is a cotton ball on a <coughs> mat. 
So you can practice the inhale pretty easy because you put the cotton ball at the base of the straw and you just suck in. Right? We're really good at inhaling in our culture. And we're really good at holding our breath. Okay? So what's kind of fun and you do with kids, like if they're at desks across from each other, is you play almost like catch, blowing the cotton ball to your friends, right? Another fun thing that you can do with your friends is to take and um, uh, uh, pass just like crumpled up pieces of paper if you don't have cotton balls, right? Um, but what I'm gonna have us do, not as a big group, is do that same exercise I would have with kids, is to kind of, this is gonna be really funny, um, I can, I'm gonna be able to use your phone. Oh, sure. Okay. <laughs> so we're going to um, all line up, and you can totally opt out of my silly games, but we're going to all come over to um, one side, uh, like line up, and we're going to have a race to us, <coughs> like here. <coughs> like with our straws and cotton balls, you mean? Yeah. Okay. to get your hoop, your, um, your, you race your partner down the lane. You have a little car race. What are we doing? Blowing? You're going to get on your hands and knees and you're going to blow. And we're going to see who has more hot air. Okay? Okay, this is more fun. Wait. Okay. <laughs> okay, ready, set, go. And then the next person can go. And you guys can race each other. Oh, good job. Yes. 
All right, so there you go. The best use of our hot air, right? <laughs> so that's a super, super fun way to explore the breath. Now, obviously, with like in a facility like a, um, a church youth group, that would be super fun. Um, it, but it might not be something to do with their parents if they like want to do something calming. But you can still teach them some fun things about the breath uh, through that practice. Um, another thing that I like to do is I gave you all balloons. Is anybody latex issues? There seems to be an issue now in schools where you can't bring balloons into schools because of latex issues. But some schools don't have those regulations. Balloons are great ways to kind of let go of some of that hot air and practice <laughs> exhaling. Now, I just got these from like the grocery store, but um, just make sure you don't get the water balloons because then all your students get really pissed at you because they can't blow They can't blow it up. <laughs> yeah. And that's like the worst. The, the thing that I would like to figure out is how to create a unit or something. Like you could even use gloves at like uh, nursing home facilities of like the plastic gloves or something, but how to figure out a way to reuse it so they could use it when our, uh, like you're not there. Because I think like we use it and then we throw away the balloons and I always feel really bad. So I do have a box that we can put stuff in for garbage. Um, but this is a really good exercise. So what I like to do is sit in a chair so that, or wherever you're at so you feel comfortable and in a perfect world, what would happen is, is that after you blow up the balloons, you would put the balloon behind you and you would breathe into the balloon to see the expansiveness of your torso when you're breathing. So a lot of times people don't breathe into their back, so it helps you to mush the balloon by breathing the entire circumference of your spine, right? So first, all we do is just practice exhaling. So inhale and breathe in. And exhale and blow up your balloon. And this is the best part. Let all that farty air on. <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay, try it again. Inhale, breathe in. <laughs> and exhale, let it all go. And this is also a really good test because uh, they do have those breathing monitors. Yeah, like, like the, the doctor breathing test. exercise yeah. thing, yeah. So this is just like that breathing exercise, but what happens is because you're making it playful, you can continue to do this over, you know, and make it so that your breathing capacity becomes bigger and bigger. But tie a little bit of a knot in it and put the balloon back behind you and try and breathe into the balloon so you can feel it getting a little bit mushy. connection that you're creating. 
Oh, you could probably also buy like a whoopee cushion, but it wouldn't stay shut. Everybody's okay? You can just use mine, I feel like. Are you experiencing anything different with this breathwork practice as the balloon is behind you? Michelle's nodding. More proprioception, yep. Which is great because one of the other things I like to say about proprioception is that when you teach a child proprioception, it makes them feel safe in space. So if someone has your back, literally, you have your own back with your breath. And if you ever do acupuncture, they talk about the back heart a lot. We always see the front, but we don't think about the back heart. Anybody else feeling something interesting other than worried that their balloon's gonna pop and everybody's oh, gonna notice? Calming. Mm -hmm. Calming, yeah. It just brings a focus point. Right? Focus. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. <clears throat> nice. Awesome. There's other fun things listed here, and we're definitely not going to be able to go through all of them. But what I will do right now is um, I'll put that box in the center so that you can throw anything you don't want in there. Um, let's look at on page 16, it says lion's roar, lion's breath. Lion's breath is like super awesome because it teaches you courage to let go of uh, steam. It teaches you um, when you open your mouth or you yawn or have you ever seen a child crying hysterically? Never, right? <laughs> And they get into that point that they're sobbing so much that they go like this, right? That is to engage the vagus nerve, the parasympathetic nervous system. That is actually to get them to calm down. Because a lot of our emotions are in our tummy. The vagus nerve runs from back here through your body all the way to your tummy. So if someone's telling you they have stomach problems or they have like, you know, they're not, they don't know how to express their emotions, but they're getting diarrhea or constipated a lot. We need to address that engagement of getting that vagus nerve to be a little bit more happy. So yawning or um, howling like a wolf or roaring like a lion. So you inhale and breathe in. And you exhale and you stick out your tongue. It's also supposed to help with halitosis. <laughs> it says that in right on yoga. Inhale, breathe in. Exhale. If you want to add in something also, I wouldn't do this with little kids um, because my mom always used to told me if I crossed my eyes, they would stay that way. But um, cross your eyes and do it, and that's an automatic integration of the right and left hemisphere. So the way that it's actually done in light on yoga is very different than we're doing it now, but this is a fun way of doing it, you know? And you cross your eyes and you exhale. <laughs> Where was the video? <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, well, 
well, it's also fun doing it in a circle because if you do work with youngins or even like, uh, you know, like any human, you start laughing and then it elevates the mood. Um, there's all kinds of fun things that go into here. Um, and it goes on to breath ratios and talks about how to use that breath ratio for energizing, balancing, or relaxing states. This is like something I would do in a tech for breath, so we're not going to dive this deep into it. We are going to just do on page 17, sitali, the cooling breath to calm down. This um, pranayama or breath exercise is often translated as the cooling breath. It can improve focus reduce agitation, anger, and anxiety, and pacify excess heat in the system. Um, so kids and adults who are going through different changes in their lives, especially as we move up into this 60 plus lifestyle or phase, we become vata. If anybody's really into uh, studying Ayurveda and doshas and all of that stuff. But we are very amped up at this phase. So what's interesting to think about is to think about using a breath work like the cooling breath. You don't have to do it the way that it is taught often in like light on yoga or more militant practices where it's, it has to be like it was written long ago. But you just take either a straw or your mouth as if it's holding on to a straw or your tongue and curl it up. And you inhale and like curl it like. Yeah. Some people's don't, tongues don't do that. Like um, anybody tongue tied or the doctor didn't cut that thing long enough. Yeah. So you just can inhale and breathe in. And exhale and breathe out. So you're inhaling coolness <coughs> and ease and kindness and compassion. And you exhale and breathe out. It also works really well for people going through menopause. And then it goes even deeper to meditation and um, talking about visualization, mantra, and toning, happiness, and laughter practice, what I touched upon. And then on page 21, it talks a little bit about mudras. 22, we talk about creating your own meditation story. And it even moves to page 24, where it teaches you a body scan and how to create one for your own yoga nidra and an example of a yoga nidra for chair yoga that has no yogic dogma to it. So I think what I might do is, for my teaching, I am... Um, hoping I can offer you uh, the mudra practice and have that be our closing visualization, if that sounds good. Mm -hmm. um, so what I would like to do, as we now have a very um, short amount of time, is I would love to have everyone teach their poses. So as you break into groups of four, I'm just going to walk around and acknowledge your practices. Now, as we get ready to um, 
go out into the universe with all this powerful information is do a mudra practice that I really like that helps you to tap into the joy of being, which is exactly what we were practicing when we did our svadhyaya um, visualization in the beginning. It's not going to be like a, a, you know, like uh, the beginning and the conclusion of the book where they have a run of the same theme, but this will be a nice little mudra practice to give you an experience of mudras. One other thing that's really interesting is that if the world is made up of five elements, these five elements are in your hands. And this is a really cool concept. Um, kids really resonate with this. Adults don't have that same sensory feeling, but um, the pinky is water. The uh, ring finger is earth. The middle finger is space. And the uh, index finger is air. Oh, it's in the end of the book. And the fire is your thumb. What I really think is cool, because we do a lot of jnana mudra practices. Um, does anybody do jnana mudra when they're practicing? No, I've seen this one put his fingers like this, right? But it's about the spark and tapping into cosmic consciousness. So when someone says, like, I'm okay, it's like they're sparking themselves and rebooting their superhuman machine. I think that's kind of cool. Yeah. And AOK -okay has a really funny lineage and history of like, you know, when people say okie dokie and stuff like that. Um, but when you spark that fire and air together, then everything just becomes a little bit more brilliant and illuminated. Um, because mudra is an odd Sanskrit word, right? Not everybody knows what rudra is. We can often call it a gesture and or a seal, um, but it is a mystical position of the hands. Even this one, doing peace is actually the mudra for happiness. So if you like bookstores, like I like bookstores, that could be a song. <laughs> um, dating profile. Yeah. <laughs> it, I had a really funny one on a dating profile, so now uh, I took that off because it was too confusing. It was too big a word. But now I say now on my um, Bumble it says like um, I really like playing backgammon. So the first thing is like oh, I'll play backgammon with you. <laughs> you know, it's always like weird. Yeah, it's yeah. not a euphemism. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so, but there's a lot. If you go to the bookstore, and there's a lot of great old um, books um, from the 70s that there's like have great, great things on like if you're interested in chakras, if you're interested in mudras, if you're interested in kind of diving deeper into some of this stuff that I've been talking about, you can really find some very cheap, awesome books. Um, and um, so the mystical position of the hands are really, really powerfully effective. Um, did you know that when you hold your body in a yoga position, it lasts for 24 hours energetically? So you know how you take your yoga class and you're like, oh, I'm totally blissed out. I got to come back for the glow, right? And you just feel something different after your class. You get out of Shavasana. It lasts in your neurological pathways for 24 hours. When you do a mudra, 
but not where you just like touch yourself for two seconds. When you touch your thumb and your index finger, or the mudra we're gonna do today is the apan mudra, when you hold it and start to feel the heart beat and continue to feel the heart beat, that's when the effect starts to take place. And it lasts for six hours. So like you can use this to help to self-regulate and integrate a very disconnected individual. Um, it truly does influence the body-mind connection, and you can, can, can create these minute, really, really small changes that won't be as maybe effective as a total physical practice, because people like to do physical activity, because I think we're a sadomasochistic culture, <laughs> right? But this is a, like a more simplistic, easy thing to do. So if you're having like a conversation with someone at work, or you're driving home after something and you're feeling really wound up, to find a mudra for grounding and for centering can really help to reframe your mind, take a deep breath, Calm your mind and build energy, right? So that you can respond wisely to like circumstances that were thrown at you. Um, it triggers tons of healing with the corresponding body parts that you're working on. So as we tie up together and kind of tap back into that ex uh, experience and joy of being, we spent our time truly in Svadhyaya and self-study and what I really, really loved was, um, and great suggestion team, whatever you wanted to call your team <laughs> over in that corner, for breaking it down into groups of four because I think you had better dialogue um, with each other about um, how you're integrating this or your experiences or you were able to like really share instead of um, having a monologue in front of a group, right? Um, so, yeah. Were we supposed to name our group? Sarah, you're not going to pass So um, not only can you sit your way to better health, right, which is part of the concept of the book, but you can heal yourself with your hands. Um, and those of you who do do any energy or body work, you do know the magic that we have and the power that we have to heal others. Um, so um, we are gonna use ourselves as a conduit to uh, tap back into that experience and joyful being place of allowing the um, practice to do us versus us forcing the practice. And that's why we're here for Svadhyaya, for self-study and uh, collaborating and sharing, which we can continue to do after our, our group is done, dispersing after today through social uh, channels, private social channels, so you can talk. Um, we are going to do a mudra called apan. So your inhale, there's five vayus of breath. Have you ever heard of the five vayus? Feel like I'm an encyclopedia of yoga. Um, there's five values or there's five pathways of breath. If you practiced or like your beginning of your lineage was Ashtanga, it's discussed a lot. If not, totally don't feel weird that you don't know it. Um, but these different pathways are of breath. Prana is that upper half. And Apana is the exhale, the letting go. So um, this um, Apan um, Asana, 
is when you're pulling the knees to the chest and you're laying on your back like happy baby. That's the apan, the pushing out from the behind, the letting go. So what you do is you get to relax and close your eyes. And as you relax and close your eyes and lean back, what I like about this one is that it helps you to gain a fresh perspective and a boost of confidence and energy. It is that midday time. You have been working super hard in your self-study practice, and we want to get back to that joyful space of being. Plus the fact that in our energy economies, we've been doing a lot of putting our emphasis on exerting energy in learning. And now you are going to rebuild that energy so that you can have a really glorious evening with your friends and family or yourself and your pets, wherever you are, or maybe you're gonna take a walk in nature. So as you come into this space and you feel yourself comfortably seated, whether your feet are to the ground and you're sitting in a chair or whether you are legs crossed, on each hand, bring the tips of your middle and ring fingers to touch the tip of your thumb. <clears throat> I think some uh, rock star is trying to trademark this, but <laughs> it is just a mudra for finding balance. As you inhale and exhale, your fingers can be straight, they can be relaxed, but you want to start to find as your hands rest on your legs so that you truly are relaxed. Begin to feel the heartbeat. Feel the simplicity of the breath as the tips of your middle finger and ring fingers touch your thumb. Your index and little fingers are softly forward. No judgment, no expectation, no forcing. You are truly becoming the breath. Feel this beauty, feel this power as you harness it. Experience your ease as you truly have been present today to yourself and for yourself. Feel the heartbeat, not just in your torso where your heart resides. Feel it into the soles of your feet, the regal crown of your head. the gentle caress of your thumbs to your fingers. And feel the breath centering you and steadying you in this moment, this mindful, joyful space. And begin to visualize yourself as a tree, which is such a super, super visual 
for yoga. You are just planting the seed and cultivating mindfulness in your body-mind connection. You are learning slowly to grow, following the flow. Inhale and exhale. And feel, even though we are still, you are so fluid and so vibrant as the waves of the breath move through your body and the rhythm of your heart is in every pore, every fiber, every tissue of your being. As you're like this beautiful tree, you have branches reaching to the sky and beautiful nurturing roots extending deep into the earth. Imagine you are drawing air and sunlight down through your branches to your trunk as you inhale. <coughs> and when you exhale, Imagine the breath literally continuing down through your roots and into the earth. On the next inhalation, visualize bringing the energy of the earth, the strength, the nurturing, the power through your roots into your trunk. And as you exhale out through your branches, Feel that Shakti power really resonating brightly. Inhale, drawing air and sunlight down through your branches into your trunk. Exhale and feel the breath continuing down through the roots and right into the earth. And with your next inhale, really sense the positive, the pureness, the richness of that energy of the earth up through your roots into your trunk. Feel that vitality as you exhale out through your branches. <clears throat> Inhaling and exhaling to the rhythm of your heart your internal metronome. With curiosity and compassion, breathe.
Feel that incredible extension reaching out skyward. Feel the amazing space as you extend deeply into the earth. You're just slowly following the flow of the breath, the rhythm of your heart. And in this incredible apan mudra that you've created, you're feeling confidence and energy and a fresh perspective. That joy of being as you experience svadhyaya here today, self-study. You've been here to yourself and for yourself. It was an honor and privilege to share this incredibly powerful information with you. The doors have been opened, but this is yours to share. Feel the integrity and the passion coursing through your veins so that you can go out and share the wonders and the magic of being. Khalil Gibran stated in a poem once that the teacher who is indeed wise does not bid you to enter the house of their wisdom, but rather leads you to the threshold of your mind. Feel this new perspective, this incredible energy and mudra literally sealing in everything that you already know and enhancing it. And wherever you travel to off the mat, always remember as you learn slowly to grow following the flow, all you have to do is come back to this space and breathe. Feel the pulse and the joy of being. And this softness that a purposeful pause offers you. And begin to slowly Move your fingers about. Feel that effervescent, bubbly feeling. And start to really calmly wiggle out the toes. And then we'll begin to bring our hands in front of our heart. And our hands make their way in front of our heart. Rub your palms together as fast, as fast, as fast as you can. Creating that friction and that heat. 
and then gently take your hands and place them over your warm eyes. And as you release your hands out in front of you, begin to open your eyes with a fresh perspective and a strong spirit to guide you through the rest of your day. Thanks for playing yoga. <laughs> <laughs> it was awesome. You guys did great. <laughs>